Ladies and gentlemen, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Pennsylvania, and boy, was it a beautiful day today. Um, we broadcast each and every weekday live from 7 to 10 p.m. here on Global Star Radio Network as well as Blog Talk Radio, and we have live video broadcasts on YouTube. My name is Joe Hagman. I am the co-host along with my father, Doug Hagman, and we have a fantastic show lined up for you tonight. Folks, don't forget to check our websites and bookmark them, HagmanReport.com and HagmanAndHagman.com. Hagman Report has a lot of news and information, and Hagman and Hagman has show information. And also, HomelandSecurityUS.com is my, my dad's old site that he is revamping. And again, uh, we got a fantastic show for you tonight. First up is a man named Dan Bauman. Uh, he has obtained a business degree from Wheaton College and joined the youth with a mission, the w, uh, YWAM, and moved to Afghanistan as a volunteer worker for an eye hospital where he worked for several years as an administrator. In 1997, he went to visit in Iran to share about the love of Jesus, where he had a friend, him and a friend were arrested on false charges, which eventually led to having two death sentences on his life. He was a prisoner of Iran and miraculously was released after nine weeks in the prison after enduring and sustaining torture, and he was granted a vision from Jesus, who got him through this wrenching ordeal. Without any further ado, we're going to bring Dan on. Dan, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Thank you. It's really good to be with you today. It's great to have you. Um, I hope I didn't miss anything in the in the introduction. Um, no, that was great. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's jump right into it. You were uh, in Iran doing missionary work, correct? Yeah, I was there uh, for a two week uh, trip with a friend specifically wanting to share about the love of Jesus uh, in different places around the country. And when we left, that's when things changed around and got worse. Okay. So you were on, you, you went there and did your the missionary work you went there to do, and then you left. And that's when you were arrested. What what was the charges? What what did you do wrong? Uh they got us on, uh, both of me and my friend, we were traveling on different passports. I was traveling on a Swiss passport. I'm a dual citizen with Switzerland through my dad, Swiss-American. My friend was a South African. Okay. That's how we were able to get uh, visas. And when we were abducted, we were never told exactly why, but we found out later that there were two death sentences, one for being a missionary and the other for being an American and that's why we were in prison. So not only the missionary aspect of this but also being an American was enough for an arrest and, and uh, being detained. Um, yeah, it was very connected to the fact that I was a dual citizen and the fact that I haven't lived in Switzerland so they wondered how I could actually have a Swiss passport or have a Swiss father, and yeah, so that's what they 
associated that with, and then my friend was associated with me in that same scenario. Okay. Well, um, the, I mean, we're all very interested to hear what it was like in, in the, as soon as you were captured, you and your friend were, were put into what, a jail cell? Um, yes, it's the main notorious jail of the nation for political prisoners, and we were two by three yards in private isolated cells, and it was an unlimited amount of time, and there was a toilet and a sink in there. We slept on the floor, and yeah, steel door, and that was my new life. So you are uh, a missionary. You're in Iran uh, with a man from another country who's your friend. They detain you. I bet it, it's confusing. Um, they put you, put you in a cell. You're trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, what, what's some of the first things that happened? When, when did you start to realize that you were in a really bad situation? I mean, it was from the very beginning. I, I ended up being beaten a lot in the very first day I was there by my main interrogator. They never really gave clear instructions on why I was being put in prison. I have lived in that part of the world uh, for many years, but, yeah, never encountered a situation like this. And when we were locked in private cells, that's when it got very, very real that this could be a long ordeal. It uh, had no real end in sight. And yet it was during all this time that God really did amazing things in my heart, gave me a deeper love more than ever for Iran and for the Iranian people, and he gave me a love for my captors, and he really just uh, rescued me, uh, even from myself in that place. Okay. Um, I kind of jumped the gun here when, when I introduced you. I didn't introduce your website or the name of your book. Folks, Dan Bauman is our guest. His website is danbauman.com. That's D-A-N-B-A-U-M-A-N-N dot com. And his book is Book, uh, sorry, Cell 58, uh, is the name of the book, Imprisoned in Iran, um, which shares the details of God's miracle during this part of his life. And this was written, um, by Dan when he returned to the U.S. And, uh, this story is, is a fascinating story. Um, prisoner in Iran for for being a missionary and uh, sentenced to two death sentences and tortured and, and suffering for over nine weeks. So it sets in, Dan, it sets in that you're in jail in a foreign country that is hostile towards Americans and Christians, and what happens next? Uh, take me through uh, some of your story, please. Well, like I said, I had no idea how long I would be there. And it led to the worst day of my life. And it was there in that place of despair and loneliness that I just thought I might be spending the rest of my life there. And that led towards this crazy day near the beginning of my time a few weeks in where I decided to take my life. And a long story short, there was a sink in the room and I knew if I filled it with water and I put my head into the sink of water, I could tie a towel that they had given me on both sides of the sink. And if I did that, when I would start to gag, I wouldn't be able to jerk my head out. And four times I tried. And every time I tried, I was not able 
to tie the other end of that towel tight, and I was able to jerk my head out and never able to follow through. And it was out of that that I came under great, great shame. I remember falling down just so broken. How could I ever do this? How could I ever try this? And it was there in my despair that I had a vision of Jesus there in my cell where I literally felt like he was standing in front of me with an eyes of love and blessing and a huge smile. And I felt his hands come underneath me. And then I heard him say these words right to my heart. Dan, I love you. And I will carry you through this time. And from that time until today, I've never had those thoughts again. And that's who God is. He met me at my lowest he met me in a place where I had no hope at all, and he gave me hope. Well, that's uh, that's just a, a fascinating story. So you, uh, just to, to summarize here, you were uh, about to attempt suicide, trying to attempt suicide. You couldn't bring yourself to do it, and you, the desperation was out of the hopelessness of not knowing uh, what was going to happen to you. Now, if we could just back up a second. The death sentences that you, they issued you in Iran, um, was this some kind of court proceedings? Was this uh, something they just came in this cell and told you they were doing? Uh, how'd, that, how'd that work? Yeah, I actually found it out at a court case that I had, but it wasn't said in an official light in the courtroom. It was just kind of said on the side. Um, I wasn't, yeah, sure at all how legit it was, but in my heart I thought, okay, this just makes it even way more real that I could be there the rest of my life. And and yet, in the midst of that, I did have a couple amazing moments where I got to see God's grace on my life, um, even in the midst of that. And one of those came the first time I was in the actual trial. I didn't know I was going to have a trial. One day, they brought me in. As they brought me in, it's when I I uh, was told about the death sentences, and that's when they had me stand before a big crowd. And they looked at me and they said, Sir, this is your last chance to speak. And today I want you to tell us why, why you came to Iran. And I would love to tell you I wasn't afraid. No, I was really afraid. I was scared. And I remember that day I just started shaking. And then that scripture came to my mind which says, do not be afraid when you're called before the authorities. For at that time, I'll give you the words to say. And as I stood there, out of my mouth came these simple words. Sir, I came to Iran today to tell you about Jesus Christ. When I said that, I thought, oh my God, what did I say? But at that same moment, I felt strength come into my heart. And I felt like I knew why God had sent me there. And something inside was greater than my fear. The fear was real. But it was at that moment that I sensed the power of God was even more real. And I ended up preaching over half an hour. And I looked at the audience. I looked at everybody and said, I came here to tell you about Jesus. I want you all to know who Jesus is. And this strength came over me. And I got to share about the love of Jesus for them for over half an hour while I was there. Wow. Uh, that, that's amazing. So I want to make sure we don't skip over anything. I'm going to back up. So you're in prison for a few weeks in Iran. Uh, 
with death sentences, you find you feel that it's hopeless. Even with your faith, you're just. Uh, I can imagine being afraid of the unknown, afraid of what's going to happen. Yeah. Were there any, uh, did you hear any uh, news reports? Were there anybody in, from America, ambassadors, trying to to plead your case? Um, I had in the first five weeks, I had zero contact with the outside world. I didn't know if anyone knew I was in prison. Didn't know if anyone was trying to help me get out. And so, yeah, it was just uh, that that just added to the despair. And it was then in that place of despair, and in the, in the second week is when I, yeah, went to the worst place of my life in that suicide attempt. And it was a couple of weeks after that when I had this crazy switch when, yeah, I got to share before the courthouse about who Jesus is. And, and uh, back to the the vision or, or the appearance of, that Jesus you had with with Jesus, um, you're in a cell. You're you're feeling hopeless. You couldn't go through a suicide, and as you said, you're at your lowest point. What, what was going through your mind right before uh, this happened? This uh, this vision happened. I mean, in my heart of hearts, I've struggled with fear a lot throughout my life. And there, it was like fear kind of took over. Fear, um, despair, hopelessness. And the reality that I could spend the rest of my life there, that I really had no hope, that my life was doomed to this place. Fear just took over. And it was in that place of despair that I started to look for a way to actually end my life. And that's when those thoughts came about the sink and the actual ways to actually carry that out. And yet, as I started to do it, I couldn't do it. Like, I couldn't do that final tying of the knot tight. But it was after those four crazy times of trying this that I was able to jerk my head out. And as I jerked my head out, it was when God met me there in that place, in the midst of my pain, in the midst of my insecurity, my fears, God was still with me, and he still loved me, and he still had a plan for my life. So at that moment, you, all the uh, the fear, uncertainty, and chaos went away, and you knew exactly what it was? No, it didn't all go away. I just found out that the love of God was greater, that God was still greater even than my fear, even than my insecurity. Yes, I still had my doubts, I, but any thought of suicide, any thought of actually taking my life disappeared because I was overwhelmed by a greater force. The love of God, which I obviously had known in my life, it's much greater than I'd ever dreamed. That's amazing. That is amazing. So you have this this uh, this vision and encounter with, with Jesus. You then... What's the very next thing that happens? What, what do you do? Uh, or does somebody at some point come to you and you explain this? Or how did you um, get this across where, we, where you were in prison? I just continued with my daily life. Uh, from that point on, peace grew in my heart. Joy had greater moments in my heart. The despair of thinking I might be there the rest of my life didn't overtake my heart anymore. And I just started, yeah, just to find greater peace. I continued with my routines that, yeah, I had interrogations. 
I had showers. Um, I had a lot of time just to sit there. And it was like the next few weeks of just living there that led to the courtroom. And it was at the courtroom where I had that expression of, yeah, just sharing my faith with others and seeing the love of God go beyond just me and, and go out to them. Okay. So after this happens, you started uh, becoming friends with the guards? Yes, and that was another amazing thing that happened in my life. Okay. Can you get into that with us? Sure, yeah. I, uh, you know, there's these moments in life where you really sense and feel what God is doing, but then there are other moments in life where it's actually not just a moment, but it's a whole longer deal. And this was uh, a situation that happened on the very first day I was interrogated. And that was the day when I started to get beaten. And it turns out I was beaten every day for the first few weeks, but it was always by the same guy, and I called him my interrogator. And he hit me for no reason, and it was just part of the ordeal, no explanation. And yet it was on that first day of getting beaten, my first day of incarceration, when I felt like God asked me the simple question, Dan, I want to teach you today how to love your enemies. I remember when I felt that in my heart, I'm like, this is not a good time. Like, yeah, there was nothing in my heart to want to learn that. But it kept coming again and again, this sense of that God wanted to teach me to love his enemy. And when I finally accepted that and say, okay, God, I don't know how to love this man, but please show me. And it was at that moment that I got a glimpse of God's love for this man. That no matter what I was thinking about myself, at that moment, God was loving that man, even though that man couldn't see it. And I began to see that the love of God for that man was real, even though that man never acknowledged it. So God changed my heart from that moment. And I kept saying, God, change it. Make make me more like you. And again, it's all glory to Jesus, but over time I just started to love this man, pray for this man, bless this man. I had no idea if the beatings would ever stop. And I'll never forget the last day I saw him. I had no idea it would be the last day I'd see him. But they take me into the interrogation room, and every time I stood before him I would shake, thinking he would start beating me. But on that day, something happened. And all I can say is the grace of God. And I looked at him on that day and said, Sir, if I'm going to see you every day the rest of my life, let's become friends. He looked at me and said, That's impossible. Never. We will never be friends. I'm like, Sir, we can start by exchanging names. That was never done. I had never had heard his name. That wasn't allowed. He had never called me by my name because my name was 58 because that was the number of myself. And as I kept sharing, the boldness of God kept rising up within me. And I looked at him again, and I stuck out my hand, and I said, Sir, today things change. Let's be friends, and let's exchange names. As I did that, I held out my hand, and he froze. Then he started to look around. Then he started to shake. 
as he started to shake, he took his right hand out of his pocket and reached it towards me, and he shook my hand. As he shook my hand, he started to shake, and tears started to come down his face. And he wouldn't let go. And after about five minutes, he let go with his hands, and he wiped the tears from his eyes, and he looked at me, and he said, Dan, my name is Razak, and I would love to be your friend. And I knew at that moment that there was no heart-to-heart for Jesus. And I knew that God had changed that man's heart. Wow, that's awesome. Um, and, and at that point, you did you feel some relief that uh, you not that you were about to leave, but you at least befriended somebody and, and uh, who was one of your captors, I guess you could say? Yeah, you know, and I was just so amazed at the love of God, even for my greatest enemy at that point, was real and it was strong and that God had helped me to love him, the man who had hit me, and I, I was just overwhelmed that that the love of God can be that strong, even to our worst enemies. And he even made a little promise at the very end. He said, I can't get you out of this prison, but within the prison I have some authority. Would you like anything in the prison? And I remember saying to him, yeah, I'd like a bigger cell. He's like, well, let me speak to the guards who run the night shift, and let's see what we can do. And from that day until the rest of my time incarceration, I never saw that man again. But that night, the night guards came to my room and said, sir, we have an order to move you to a bigger cell. And I knew that God had changed that man's heart to tell them to move me to a bigger cell. So you say you didn't see that man again. Um are you sure it was even in a, a, a guard there? Uh, I mean, that night, the other night guards there, my interrogator again started him before I was even in prison. It was the very first day of my meeting, so I knew he had a bit of an official stance coming in to be in my interrogator from the outside. And then, yeah, I didn't have hardly any relationship with guards. Uh, so to speak, because I was in isolation. But, yeah, I was just so amazed that, that my interrogator's heart had changed and become my friend at the end. Well, that's uh, that's fantastic. Um, and, and all this th- that you went through, uh, I'm sure, you know, was a life-changing experience. Um, if we can, let's talk a little bit about the church. Well, no, first, let's go back to, so you befriended the guard, and... You get a bigger cell. Um, what happens? How do you get released? How do you go from the time you get the, the cell, the bigger cell, to being released? I continued in that place, not knowing one day to the next how long I would be there. And my release all came on a very specific, like, 24-hour deal. And it was in the beginning of that last day, which I had no idea would be my last day. But they had me on a bus and introduced me to a fellow American. And I looked at him. He was the African-American from Louisiana. And I remember looking at him going, oh, my gosh, do you speak English? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, I had no idea there was other Americans here. He goes, yeah. And I'm like, how long have you been here? 
He said, 15 months. And I'm like, why? And he goes, I don't know. And I said, yeah, I've been here many weeks, and I don't know either. And uh, I've never seen that man again since. I do know he got out of prison. He got out one or two months after I did. But I'll never forget that night as I sat in my cell, realizing I'd met a fellow American. He'd been there 15 months, and they really hit me that I might be there at least 15 months. Like, whatever, I was there for five years. What if they never told me anything and I just sat there for the rest of my life? And that night, all this stuff went through my heart. And I'll never forget, it was late into that night that I finally looked up to God and said, God, I don't understand. I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand why I would spend the rest of my life here. But I made you the Lord of my life before, and I do it again now. I don't need to understand everything. You just have your way. And as I said that, this peace and joy came into my heart again. And little did I know that just three hours after that, I would get one of the greatest surprises of my entire life. They came to my cell. They brought me out to a room. They made me get dressed. And I kept thinking, why am I getting dressed? I had never seen my clothes in many weeks. My only thought was it might be my day of execution because I heard people being killed in there every day. As I got dressed, they put me in a car. They took me to the courthouse, but this time not to the courtroom, this time to a normal office. As I sat in this office, that's when this man stood up. I found out later that he was the head judge of all the courts of Iran, and it was there that he said this. He said, today, because of our friendship with Switzerland, the Swiss ambassador was sitting in the room. The Swiss embassy, which is in Tehran, had been working on my release. And he said, because of our friendship with them, we choose to release Dan Bauman, and he's a free man. Wow. And, and I became a free man. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Dan, we're up against the, the break. Uh, just hold on one minute. A few minutes, we'll be back after these short messages. Folks, our guest is Dan Bauman. His website is danbauman.com, D-A-N-B-A-U-M-A-N-N. His books, uh, Cell 58, as well as uh, his most recent book, A Fresh Look at Fear. When we come back, we're going to get into these books and... Uh, where to get them and, and uh, talk about you know the, the messages that are in there that are important. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. In a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families who struggle to maintain normal lives in a world where conspiracy theory and Bible prophecy collide. 
T.C. Joseph's viewpoint of alternative history and understanding of prophetic events will change your view of the world and the events on our horizon. Kirkus Review states, Readers of End Times Fiction will be hard-pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable and fast-paced. Blue Week Reviews boldly states, Fans of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series and Tom Parada's The Leftovers will find this thought-provoking series absolutely riveting. Order your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series from Amazon.com. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And Book 3, Penance. In these uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel-burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass-burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report, our guest this segment is Dan Bauman. That is also his website, danbauman.com, D-A-N-B-A-U-M-A-N-N. And he's got a few books, uh, Cell 58, which is the book that he wrote about being imprisoned in Iran, and his most recent book, A Fresh Look at Fear. And we're going to get into this a little bit, Dan. Um, so you were giving your clothes right before the end of the segment. You were give, telling the story about your release. Where you weren't sure what was going on, you were given clothes, you weren't sure if it was your execution. I'm sure you weren't thinking that you were going to be released, but there you are being released. And you get out, uh, what happens after that? Um, you get released, you get to come right home? Well, the Swiss ambassador was there and he got me to his house. They had to find my passport, which was in a random office somewhere. They had to give me flights. And I was able three days later to actually take it a flight, yeah, um, out of the nation. And that's when I knew that I knew that I knew that I was really, really free. And I was in Switzerland with family and friends for a few days. 
and then I got to come back to America and yeah, continue on with my life. Well, that that's fantastic. Um, it's, speaking of Iran and the in the church, uh, the Christian church in Iran, we have a few guests who are authors who have written books about Iran and the growing Christian population there. Can you share any insight as to the uh, religious culture inside of Iran? You know, again, I my experiences were from years ago, and, and I I don't know that much. I I'm with those that know that there's so many exciting good things happening right now. Um, the numbers are two to seven million followers of Jesus. It's by far the most growing church in the Middle East, and yet, uh, yeah, amidst you know some challenges for sure at the government level and you know there's levels of strict Islam both in the government and in many situations across the nation but the church is growing and uh, it's mostly house churches very quietly growing but it is growing and the stories keep growing on how people are finding and discovering God wow that's amazing um, if we can, let's get into your books. You have uh, you've written a number of books. Uh, will, you, will you tell us what they are? And, and um, from Self Fifty Eight to the the most recent one, a fresh look at fear, uh, and where folks can get those. And what are some of the uh, um, teasers you could give us to 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 get people to you know the story from from Iran I, I, on Self Fifty Eight book. I, you don't need any teasers. You just laid that out. Uh, but a fresh look at fear. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, my Cell 58 book is simply a six-month story of before I went into Iran for the visit, the incarceration, and how God got me out. A lot of details I've written from a very raw, real place of my struggles as well as the victories God gave me. As that came out and as I wrote a book about it, it opened doors for teaching and over the years, I've traveled all over the world and met many, many people who struggled with fear. And fear has been one of my main, own main struggles, you know? How do you get over fear and how to deal with fear? And over the last few years, I felt the challenge to write a book on some of the things I'm learning about how to deal with fear. And basically, it's this, that if, if we look at fear and the fears that we're faced with, is that something that until it's gone I can't go forward with life but what I'm discovering that Jesus is so big and so good that even in the midst of struggles with fear we can still do what God wants we can still look at Jesus and it truly is that the love of God is the greatest victory over fear it's not our ability to kind of you know do it internally but it's basically the love of God and it's a real pointing of a book towards how good God is, even in the midst of the fears that we face. Amen. And people can get those books on your website, on Amazon? Yeah, mostly at Amazon.com is the best way and easiest way for people to get them. All right. Well, Dan, I want to thank you Thank you for joining us. Uh, again, Dan Bauman is our guest, B-A-U-M-A-N-N, DanBauman.com. And uh, his website, as well as Amazon, you can get his books um, from his imprisonment story in Iran, Cell 58, to A Fresh Look at Fear. Anything else before we let you go, Dan? 
Uh, I'm just so grateful for, yeah, the chance to be with you, thankful for a chance to share my heart, and yeah, that no matter what people are going through in life, that Jesus is bigger and he's really good, even whatever is going on. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Dan, and we look forward to talking with you in the future. I look forward to reading your book, um, and we wish you the best. Thank you so much. Great to be with you all. Great to have you. You have a great night. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Again, folks, that was Dan Bauman. DanBauman.com is the website. And his books are available not only on his website, but on Amazon also. And you can do the, the Kindle thing and uh, go go check him out if you like this story. Uh, talk about being afraid. Talk about being fearful. You uh, find yourself in a prison in Iran, sentenced to death on the brink of suicide, and just a, f- a week, few weeks after that, due to prayers and, and intervention from from the Lord, you're walking out of that prison. And we sadly, we still see today where American ministers and pastors continue to be imprisoned in Iran and continue to be held uh, prisoner for their missionary work, for their belief in in Jesus. And um, this has been an ongoing uh, battle, you know, with these with these nations. But I think it's Bill Salas who who wrote his book. His last book talked about the uh, huge increase in the Christian popularity in Iran, uh, a huge increase of Christianity in Iran, and that's something that uh, you know we will have to pray that that continues. Before we uh, we have a little yeah, bit of time before good. we get to uh, the end of this hour, we're going to fill in some news here. Want to give you a couple quick updates today about today. Uh, earlier, my dad was on Infowars. Yes, I was. An hour, hour and 15 minutes. Did you catch it? Did you catch it? Come on, guys. It's already up on uh, the Alex Jones Show YouTube channel as a segmented interview. So if you did miss it and only want to watch that interview, I go there to you YouTube go. And, and go to Alex Jones' channel, and you can find that video. Here's the thing. Here's the thing what we need. We need people to go off and say, you know what? Send an email. Say, great interview. Whoa, have them back on. Okay. Okay, I want to thank you. For, I want to thank Joe, my son, for uh, uh, stepping up, filling in for me uh, here a little bit. I, I just was—I'll tell you what—I was exhausted. Yeah, tired. But anyway, thank you for for stepping in and doing the interview. That was a fascinating interview, by the way. So, anyway, uh, but but here's the thing, Joe. Alex Jones. Also, oh, go ahead. Go um, Didn't me interrupt tonight. Steve Quayle and Timothy Alberino will be on coast to coast for. Um, a few yes. hours, so uh, coast to coast for a few hours with with Steve Quayle and Timothy Alberino. But see, that's not the real time. That's they dial their clocks back, so it's not like you know one in the morning when. Okay, uh, so it's okay. But yeah, uh, Steve Quayle and uh, Tim Alberino, you're you're right on on uh, Infowars. Got a question uh, for you? No, no. I accidentally on the dashboard hit clear cache on the website. Does that did I? <laughs> I don't know. No. Okay. No. I don't. I never. It just is. No. It, I, I. I don't know. Okay. Why? You no. walked out. Huh? No. I just hit it. No. No. no it looks fine. Okay. Just sure wasn't sure what I did. I did that for. Him. Uh, anyway, it's it's no. It's it's actually a button there that that. Uh, yeah. No worries. Um. 
Right, here's the deal, and, and I just want to reiterate what I said with uh, Infowars. Look, uh, you know, with all the talk and everything, at the epicenter of, of course, as we said last night, at the epicenter of the Russian narrative, of course, is CrowdStrike. CrowdStrike is the company that uh, looked into the, the hacking of the DNC staffers, DNC and uh, 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 Wasserman Schultz. says, no, nah, you, nah, you guys can't, can't see to the FBI. You can't see our, our, our servers. No, 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 no. So we're going on the so-called... Uh, uh, what would you call it? Uh, the the word of CrowdStrike that that Russians hacked the uh, the server. Saying the look, they never turned over anything. So then, of course, that, that narrative carried over into the Russian collusion with Donald Trump. Well, let's go back, or let's or let's go with the uh, Russian collusion with Donald Trump uh, and Donald Trump's alleged, uh, well, his trying to get the Donald uh, President Donald Trump. Uh, or President Donald Trump trying to get to Comey not to not to you know uh, advance on the investigation. Here's the thing: if the memo that he did uh, allegedly contemporaneously is correct, if if that if we take Comey at face, and they say, "Yep, yep, he did it." Here's a memo, or here's a memo he wrote to file. If he put that in a drawer somewhere for three months, well. Technically, I suppose one could accuse him of being in violation of 18 U.S.C. Section 4, which is misprison of felony, because that's a felonious act that you know you must you must immediately report that to the uh, attorney or uh, well the attorney general's office, the office of the attorney general, uh, among others. But that's what you got to do, and he didn't do that. Why not? Why three months later does he bring this memo out? Yeah. Yeah. That's cagey Three to me. Months later, yeah. that's cagey to me. So, and, and look, I, when and, and Joe and I do this as a matter of routine, we will do, we will, we will have a conversation. If we have a conversation with somebody that's important, significant, and that's why I, I tell people put it in, in an email, and that way I develop an audit trail, and, uh, and not only does it help me remember, but I've got a timestamp on that email. Uh, so if I fail to act on it, or if I, whatever, uh, it's me, or it's documentation, but. If somebody admitted to me that, or if I admitted to myself that I just, there's a felony here, potential felony. Well, you know, it's not even that. Uh, it's not even that the uh, Comey allegedly sat on that information. It's also that he testified under oath that there was absolutely no interference whatsoever right. by anybody. And he said, oh, of course, I would, I would say it if there was. And then what, a week and a half, two weeks later, he comes back out and... You know, all of a sudden has some memo that he drafted himself after the fact that he could have written anything on it. I mean, that'd be like me sitting here, uh, say I had a conversation with Tech Eric on the phone earlier today. I could take a piece of paper and say, you know, Eric said I should, you know, yeah, but you, you, there break his leg. Like, and then <laughs> what kind of proof is that when you get to no, court? No, but, but when you email to yourself and or you have a system, the FBI does have a system that does have There has to be some verification. There is. It built into the FBI uh I don't but know, how can I they verify what Trump phone said phone. To, to Comey based on what Comey written that wrote down uh, on a piece of okay. paper after the meeting? I know, I know. That's a problem. But in general, when you, if you would take this before a grand jury, for example, or a court, they look at yeah. this, and I've, I've seen this happen where the contemporaneous notes of law enforcement officers are uh, almost sacrosanct in that venue. They hold a lot of weight. So if he's before a congressional or Senate committee, and I've been in the court, in, in the state court level, to, uh, once I think in the federal court level, to see this um, take place where they'll look at it and say, okay, 
we believe you based on your contemporaneous notes. But generally speaking, the FBI's got almost like a dictaphone verification system. It used to be, boy, am I dating myself? Uh, the, the dictaphone thing. Um, but the, but yes, yes, you're right because you could do it. You could do it now and say, well, you know, I wrote this back three months ago. Well, no. Um, there, there are verification methods of verification to do that. And to, if you take a that. take a look at um, um, how this all started, what the you know, oh, the obstruction charge is. Can you get obstruction of justice charges for say just say he did interfere? Yeah, but interfere with what? An investigation that has produced no evidence in over eight to ten months. Never has produced evidence. There's not even an investigation. This is a, this with is the a, Trump Russia yeah, stuff. This is a, a based on a lie. The Flynn right. stuff. Uh, what are they investigating with Flynn? He was a acting as a foreign agent, being paid to act as a foreign agent with Turkey. Right. He had a, a conversation. Um, what about the nine hundred thousand dollars to to Hillary Clinton? What about the, what about the six point five trillion missing money? I mean, where was Comey on that? See, it's it's convenient to have somebody come out, and we see this just piling on uh, on Trump. They're they're looking for an impeachment. They've been since the election, since the the moment they found out Hillary Clinton wasn't going to win. They have been plotting and devising plans to try to not just catch Trump slipping up, but to lie and and uh, confuse and manipulate public opinion through lies and disinformation. And sadly, it's working to some degree. But this is where you know we we have to. If you believe in Trump, and you more importantly, you believe in the agenda. I say, everybody, write their congressman. And tell them if you if you do not stand up for Trump, we will be against you forever. Well, and, and there's 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 a five, there's a fivefold assault against Donald Trump right now. The media, of course, the corporate media is against them 100, percent and they're agents of the the communists embedded within the government. You have to understand how the communists got there, of course, after World War II. Understand your history, folks. This is why it's not taught in schools anymore. Because if you understand your history, then you will understand how we are being systematically disassembled from within. So the media is against uh, Donald Trump. You've got the Democrats, of course, the, which are really not Democrats at all. Um, by any historical standards, they're communists. That's it, period. They're communists. you got Al Green on the on the House Senate floor or whatever yelling, you know, we need an impeachment. Okay, that guy is part of the Black Caucus, which has its roots as well into, um, and not the singer, but anyway, he's got his roots. That's got the roots into the communist uh, um State, if you will, the deep state. The um, the selective leaks are coming from the deep state, which of which the intelligence agencies and the industry is part of. The uh, other aspect, the never Trumpers. Don't forget those people. Do not forget yep. those people. Yep. The new stand, the, the new Amer- or, uh, National Review and the um, uh, Weekly Standard, both publications. Never Trumpers. As far as I'm concerned, they're sellouts. They're, they're mm-hmm. minions for the morons out there walking around that, that need to be, uh, that really need, need a, need to buy a brain or, okay. Um, the establishment Republicans, those people who are, you know, previous, uh, Paul Ryan, um, McC- uh, McCain, Graham, that, uh, queer and, uh, in, in my personal opinion. And then you've got the randoms. The randoms out there are just uh, people who are conservative, say they're conservative, but are actually communist nutjobs. You know, a few, in my personal opinion, psychopaths walking around there that uh, that that are ambulatory psychopaths. Okay, functioning uh, schizophrenics. Yeah, 
And, and with all this coverage, with all the, and you got to watch the news, because I've been noticing this re, more and more recently, it's more and more frequent, when you just mentioned Lindsey Graham. I saw an article earlier, uh, Lindsey Graham, no collusion between Trump and Russia. Then I see an article over here that says, uh, Lindsey Graham, Russian probe seems to be a criminal investigation. And then, you know, Lindsey Graham, that we need to investigate Trump. Hey, it's like a couple a, of know, missiles in Syria. The same interview. Yes, people are taking, or, or at least uh, somebody's taking something out of context because it, it can't be both. He can't say there's nothing there and then say it's a criminal investigation and investigate Trump. Look, I, and I did say this. Picture your your picture. Did I interrupt you? Mm-mm. Okay. Picture your psycho girlfriend or your psycho boyfriend or your psycho wife or psycho husband, psycho boss even, the tech Eric. Okay, I'll deal with you later. Um, good one, Eric. Uh, but but picture that, right? Uh, looking at the spouse, the other. Well, if I can't have him or her, ain't nobody gonna have him. So I'm gonna, you know, cut him up, put him in the pot, have him for. Um, let's make a stew. I mean, it's that ridiculous. Uh, that's that's what they're doing to our country. If we can't have this country, we're gonna take it all down, tear it all mm-hmm. down, burn it to the ground. And and look, this will be the summer of rage. I tell you, this will be okay. And, and no one, regardless what happens oh, with Trump, man, regardless, they they're just itching to, to loot a Walmart. People are that is string sentences memo to self. Yeah, look, it's 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 going to be a, it's going to be the summer of rage, and it's going to make uh, uh, what's going on in other countries, including Venezuela, look like a walk in the park. Paul Joseph Watson did a, did a video that I have to tip that to mm-hmm. um, as well. And, and you know, it, it's it's these. And I go back. One of the one of the most uh, the, the landmines, I believe, are are the uh, so-called conservatives and Christians who are out there just beating the war drums against Donald Trump, who are say they're conservatives, but they're not. And I really have a real problem with those people because those are the people who come after us. Those are the people who come after our sponsors. Those are the people who are come after our revenue, come after our operations, come after our people, and frankly, come after us personally as well as professionally. And that's what they're doing to the supporters of Donald Trump. That's what they're doing to this country. I when you look at everything flat out, and I truly believe this to be the case, uh, 99% of this war that's taking place is is a war of perception, not facts, but perception. And they're managing the the perception. And you know what? If we follow it, if we follow for that, shame on us. So. No, you're absolutely right. And um, one second. So we're going to be continuing to uh, yeah. cover the, the yeah. we think one of the most important stories in the news this week is people. Seth Rich. And we're going to have an update tomorrow in the first half hour, an exclusive update that that should be bringing some, some interesting new information, uh, first-hand information as to what might have happened uh, or at least an idea of what's going on with, with that. And it, it's getting crazy. You know, we see, looking at the headlines, um, I don't know how many, I don't know where you want to go in the last few minutes of the segment, but we can talk about Donald Trump. We can talk about the deep state. We can talk about this. Well, let me just say one thing, if I can. Sure. Uh, okay. I just got an email. Um, pe- people are, are saying, you know, that, uh, Alex Jones is a sellout or Alex Jones is this or Alex Jones is that. It's a couple of things. In fact, it's a three part email. 
So I kind of stunned. Yeah, we get those. Uh, let me let me tell you something. You got no idea to the center of the, to Don S. You got no idea what the hell you're talking about. None whatsoever. All right, you don't have enough. You don't have the balls. Alex Jones has. Alex Jones has. You have no idea the backstory. And I'm sick and tired of people tearing other conservative people who are trying to do the people who are trying to expose the evil in this world. I'm sick and tired of you people out there ripping them down. If you're listening to me, and and that's the way you feel, stop listening to us. Go go listen to Rachel Maddow. Go suck on the teat of progressive communism. Get your poison Kool-Aid milk, if, if there is any, there. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of you people, not you, the audience, but the people like this. People who don't have anything you to say. Eunuch. Except, uh, You're a eunuch, and you know it. You don't have any balls, because if you did, you'd be out there fighting in the trenches yourself. But you couldn't carry his water. You couldn't wash his car. You couldn't shine his shoes. Oh wait, I'm gonna get I'm gonna be called a racist now, right? I'm sure somewhere in there is a racist statement. You can't wash his car, you can't shine his shoes. Shine this shoe, What's never racist mind. about that? Oh, I guess you gotta be my age to understand that. Okay. So uh, I'm gonna tell you something. If you got if if your life consists of nothing but tearing other people down, if you dedicate your blogs to nothing but tearing other people down, you are good for nothing. Uh, you're good for nothing. That's what you are good for nothing. You put your guts on the line, you put your you put your butt on the line, you put your neck on the line, you say, I'm gonna fight. You you go on you go and appear on on different shows, you put your name out there, you put your face out there. And you say, Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to take on this this tyrannical government. As, uh, as allowed in our Constitution. That's what you've got to do. You've got to do, but no, you know what? You're sitting back there and, and you think you, well, you got, you got keyboard muscles, like beer muscles. You're nothing but a punk. And if you're a woman, you're nothing but, and hey, biblically, you know where it's going with that. I'm going to stop. Joe just threw something at me and I, you worry me sometimes. I worry myself sometimes. Eric going, hey, get the, get the button. Todd's going, oh gosh, you know. I love Todd. No, but really, there is no time to. Just no, let's, come on, people. man. Let's get on the same team, right? Come on, let's get together. Now is the time. You're right. Now is the time we got to get together. We have to fight together and we should, we should be supporting one another. We should be saying, you know what? We might have our differences, but you know, we got a common enemy. That's what they're doing. So stop it. Uh, hang on. This is the delete button. Uh, done. Deleted. Okay. We can move on now. All right. As we are approaching the break in just a few minutes, um, just a, a quick rundown. I don't know um, how many people saw this. Sherrod David Clark says he's joining the DHS um, a lot of people felt that Clark should have been appointed to a position inside Trump's cabinet, and I don't know if he would have taken it or not, but he's a constitutional sheriff out of Milwaukee, I believe, and he is going to be joining the DHS, uh, which is which is interesting news. It's a step in the right direction. Um, and then Trump had a press conference today where he said he's the victim of a witch hunt, 
and and that is very true. And you know, one thing when we see all this uh, this division, and you know, what we were just talking about, there definitely is no room for that when you have the not the president, but the president, the agenda that nobody else is going to to continue to move forward as Trump is. At least nobody wanted to. Nobody had the guts to do it and step up and try to do it, except him. We have to to be really careful uh, at throwing arrows against each other. And, I mean, how many people are in the world? Seven billion people? How many people control those seven billion people? Maybe two to ten thousand? All that energy oh, from yeah. all the, the other billions of people should be focused on those ten thousand people. You shouldn't have the ten thousand people being able to divide, you know, the the people in America, the, the three hundred fifty million yep. into two groups. What three, four thousand people in America that run the show? Let's focus our energy there. Right on. Hey, and, and that's kind of what I was trying to say. Then after we take care of all that, if you guys want to still tear each other up, well we can do that. Yeah. But let's fix our, our front yard first. Um There you go. Curb appeal. Yeah. No, it is crazy to see all these people trying to take swipes and, and the politicizing and using these uh, uh, false you know, news stories to try to further their career or, you know, get a, get a jab in on Trump or whatever it is. It's all lies. Sad. It's all lies. Have the discernment to be able to go through the news and figure out for yourself what's going on without having to rely on a newscaster, even us or anybody on TV and alternative media or mainstream should be we should be getting to a point with the with the news that people are able to figure out what's what just by reading a misleading headline uh, because it's become pretty clear to us folks you're listening to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman report we will be right back with Mr. Edward Gage Cage Mr. Edward Cage after these short messages don't go anywhere Greenovative. Go to HagmanReport.com. Click on the link to Greenovative. What Greenovative is, it's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right? You need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water, but a bang, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG chargeable is affordable. It's lightweight, weighs about 8 ounces. It's durable. It's EMP proof. And it's environmentally friendly. Yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, six AA batteries off the grid when other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night. Go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Folks, in these uncertain times, it just makes sense to have a sustainable backup method for accomplishing one of life's most important tasks, and that's preparing food. This is the way to go. There is nothing better than a Minuteman rocket stove from MinutemanStove.com. We all need a way to cook and a method to process water. I mean, think about it. Think about the many things that could happen to you. Minuteman rocket stove can provide your family or group the perfect solution. It's small, lightweight, wood-burning, and every bit as powerful as a kitchen stove. It's smoke 
helpless, fully self-contained for clean storage and transport. Because it's so efficient, it cuts down on your wood gathering and processing chores to a tenth what would be required if cooking the old-fashioned way over an open fire. So don't rely on gas for fuel stoves. Prepare your family. Prepare for yourself. Order a Minuteman rocket stove today. It's going to make bad times much better. Folks, MinutemanStove.com. MinutemanStove.com. Need I say more? You should have a Minuteman, the survival stove in an MOK. For investors, Timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash, trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified, accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288, PreciousTimberProfits.com, PreciousTimberProfits.com. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Uh, Eric and Joe wrestled me down, gave me an injection. Don't know what that's about, but I see noodles. Everything looks like noodles. Um, no, uh, again, if, uh, two things, a couple of housekeeping issues, uh, I was on with, uh, Alex Jones today. If you want to just, uh, take a look at that video and, and, uh, yeah, send Alex a note, thanking him for having me on. And, you know, it's, it's, it's always good and uplift that platform as well. And another thing, uh, Steve and, uh, Tim Albrino are going to be on, uh, Coast to Coast AM with George Nori tonight. Make sure you tune in there. Tell your friends, tell Amundo, whatever. Okay. And, um, yeah, that's good. Good stuff. Folks, uh, communications are important to us. And one of the things that, uh, the place to go for your communications need is the, is, uh, satellitephonestore.com. That's satellitephonestore.com. Get a hold of Eric Tallman, a good friend of the show, at satellitephonestore.com. Check out the various plans he's got, uh, for all things satellite communication related. Satellitephonestore.com. They're good people. The prices are, they rival those of some cell plans. And I'll tell you something. If, if you're, if you travel for business or if you're, even if you're away from home and, uh, your, your wife's perhaps away or however it might work out, uh, they've got plans to suit your needs where you can actually get, uh, you know, communicate via satellite phone. And it's reassuring to say the least to know that when, well, look what happened on 9-11 when all the cell phones went south and, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't, uh, in New York City, you couldn't get a, couldn't get any circuits. Uh, satellite phone store will take care of you so you can avoid that. Satellitephonestore.com. Great people, great prices, great product. Uh, yeah, why'd I do that? I just cut my mic. My own mic. Now we got a really great guest, uh, for you. His name, his name is, uh, Edward Cage. I'm gonna bring him on the screen here because you know what? I could whoop this guy. All right. I, can whoop him. I I know I can. Uh, look at this guy. 
This guy, he's a good-looking, uh, good-looking guy. Uh, we were talking right before the show. He said, eh, "You know, I'm a little tired tonight." Look, I, he he looks at me. I I give up. I surrender. And then he's saying, "Yeah, I got a son. He's six two. You know, you know, two hundred twenty-five pounds. He's a professional wrestler. He's a prof- professional, you know, whatever." I can whip him too. Slash, weight lifter, <laughs> new dad, just all around awesome kid. I got. Well, I, I got to tell you, folks, hey, we're so we're so pleased to have Edward Cage with us. He was born in St. Louis, Missouri. He was raised on the city's north side. Uh, my goodness, you talk about facing some challenges, each of which he overcame. Uh, his website, Unhyphenated America, speaks volumes. His teen years, by the way, were full of pain, confusion. He, he was a father at sixteen years old. Uh, he dropped out of high school, began to sell drugs. And, uh, you know, it, it's it, it, think about that. Just think about that environment. And of course, he uh, he, he stood up, pulled up uh, his own bootstraps, and said, "You know, I'm, I'm going to change things." He got a job at a sandwich shop, and when working there, he learned a, uh, really a great truth. He couldn't read or write. <sighs> Mad at the world generally, and us white people specifically, he turned to Islam. But, but, and this is key, as he taught himself to read and write, he started to see the life in black America differently. He stopped feeling sorry for himself. He walked away from Islam. And this journey has taken him from, from the, the mental condition of liberalism to being a God-fearing, strong-minded, thought-provoking, in-your-face, Christian conservative with an attitude. This kind of guys I like. He's got the attitude. He's, I mean, he's Christian conservative. He is a God-fearing, strong-minded, thought-provoking Christian conservative. He's he's a guy that uh, that I would I would I would wash and wax his car because I like him. I like him, and I think that he uh, stands for everything that's good in this country. And um, his quote: "Once I love this too. Once I was able to repass the third grade level with comprehension, I never voted Democratic again." It goes on, but th- there it is. So uh, with with all that, I want to welcome our. Uh, newbie guest to, to the Hagman Report, Edward Cage. Mr. Cage, thank you so much. Thank you for having me, fellas. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. So, so you know what, before we get started, uh, done, you know, the, with the meat and stuff of what's going on, a little did I forget anything? Because, I mean, and I don't want to gloss over your past, because, man, that had to be like a real, oh. No, it, it um, actually is when I was writing a bio, I remember I was out in L.A. and I was at an event called Truth Fest and they told me to put together a bio and, you know, at that time I really, that was like my first really big speech. I was nervous because, you know, I wasn't having a, a lot of fans of the LGBTQX, whatever they want to call themselves. I call them the homosexual community. I just refuse to allow them to give me a label to call them. I, I, I call them exactly what they are. Uh, and, you know, I had to put together a bio, man. When I put together that bio, the lady that, that brought me out, she was like, wow, we need to give you your own room instead of giving you, you know, a uh, a few minutes. So, you know, of course, me and my wife, we put it together, and uh, mainly my wife did the work because I was kind of like, I really didn't know what to put in. I don't want to sound too controversial. I don't want to sound like I'm mad or what have you, but she ended up putting together a really good uh, bio for me. 
That's good. You know, it, and it, it, you, you, the transformation that you went, or that uh, your transformation is just phenomenal. Uh, uh, you know, you should be an inspiration to everyone, and I hope you are an inspiration to everyone, especially those people who feel that they were disadvantaged from the start. And there are many people who are. I mean, you were. But, man, yeah, I tell you what, you kicked some butt and uh, came came out the other side <laughs> yeah. on your feet. Well, you know, yeah. Go ahead. my biggest people that I really want to impress more was uh, my son. You know, like I said, I had him at 16. He was my main concern. Of course, you know, we have two other daughters, but my kids, man, it was the main concern. I wanted to impress them more than any people that I ever come across. So if, if when my kids tell me that I was a good father, a good provider, then what other people have to say about me is good. But to hear them say that, that's, that's icing on the cake. Yeah. Even though every now and then I want to shank all three of them. I'm mad at, uh, <laughs> my son and our youngest daughter right now. So this week they're not my favorite people. <laughs> that sounds familiar. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Man, I don't want to make you mad. I'll tell you, you know, uh, yeah, I'd be, I'd be looking for a place to hide, but, uh, wow. Uh, well, okay. So <laughs> it's hard to recover from that. Okay. <laughs> wow. Well, I'll tell you one thing. When I go out and speak, I, I tell liberals do not, and I repeat, do not run up on me. Do not get in my face. Don't point your fingers. I don't care if you're four years old, 14 years old, 44 years old, 95 years old. I don't care if you male or female. Do not get in my face with a threatening motion because I will hit you. Point <laughs> blank. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You know, I think we get to a time where liberals, they feel that they can say and do whatever they want to do say what they want to say and we as conservatives are supposed to just sit back and take it first of all I'm not going to let you hurt me I'm just not going to let you do that uh, so I feel like if they can say whatever they want to say how they want to say it the constitution gives me the right to say whatever I want to say it however I want to say it and if it hurts your little liberal snowflake feelings I don't know what to tell you you know, it's 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 kind of like uh, I say whatever I want to say. You have the right to say what. And the thing about it, I would defend your right to say whatever you want to say because you live in this country of ours too, and the Constitution gives you the right to say whatever you want to say. And I would defend that. But you can't expect for me just because you don't like what I say, how I say it, and most of the time they really don't like that I'm black. So yeah. fight that I'm supposed to be quiet all the time. How is it that you call me these names? I have been called Uncle Tom, Coon, Sellout, House Niggas. I have been called everything up under the sun. And I feel that if liberals can say whatever they want to say. Now, I try not to go to the name-calling thing, you know. Uh, uh, but still, still, if they can say whatever they want to say, how they want to say it, I should be able to get up in a pool pit or a podium and say whatever I want to say without you threatening me with violence or rushing the stage. So, you know, don't 
Don't rush my stage. Believe me, I, I, I ain't never rushing your stage, brother. As a matter of fact, can I, next time you decide to go to Berkeley or any one of these, uh, you know, mental liberal zones, uh, can I watch? I mean, we should sell tickets. This would be great. Well, I'll tell you one thing. They, they haven't asked me to come speak at Berkeley and, uh, I remember, well, I don't remember, but I remember reading that Berkeley was the epic center of free speech once before. What happened? Yeah. And I'll tell you exactly what happened to it. Liberalism. That's exactly what happened to a great educational institution like Berkeley. Not yeah. only that, you have throughout the country, man, you have these overeducated, uh, sissified little liberal type of educators that are out destroying the minds of the next future of this country. Liberalism in universities are now are at a peak to where it should be considered child abuse. Even though I know some of the kids are 18 and 19, so maybe we can't call it child abuse, but we should be able to call it mental abuse. <laughs> Amen, brother. And uh, excuse me for saying, brother. I, just, I, I do that all the time. Oh man, brother. no problem, no problem at all. I'm, I'm, I'm not that fickle like, like that. You're not gonna no come problem and, at all. You're not gonna come and I'm, smack me down, are you? I, 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 I love this guy, folks. I, I, I was just, you, you're just a fantastic man. Um, oh, so yeah, what about this? So, what the heck is going on in this country with this generation? Because. Uh, you know, we we talk about. Uh, I'm not sure how old you are, but I know you're younger than me, and I know you can. I'm 45. Okay, all right. So, all right. What's going on here? Can you help 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 all of us out? We've got listeners from just just about every country, and and a lot of listeners. You'll never know it by the numbers, of course, but uh, at least the numbers you can see. But nonetheless, what's going on? What what what, what in the world is going on with these with, with these these mental midgets out there, these mental morons that are walking around around out there who cry at the drop of a hat? Who are uh, well, what's wrong with the women who are uh, palling up with the Islamic? Uh, uh, the, the, well, you know, that whole group, the women's marks, the, the, the pink pussy hats. Sorry about that, but that's, I had to say it. What's going on with this? Well, I tell you one thing. The Bible tells us blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord. America's biggest problem right now is that we have taken God out of just about every facet of our lives. Well, not lives, but our, 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 our government. We cannot expect to have God blessings and put him on the black back burner. It don't work like that. You just can't throw, the Bible say have no other God before me. We can't put him on the back burner and then turn around and expect all his blessings. So America's biggest problem is that we do not acknowledge, the Bible also tells us to acknowledge God in all thy ways and he will guide our path. We have in liberals right now to guide so much of things that if you look at it, it's guiding us straight to hell. One of the biggest things that I tell people when I go around the country and speak is that in ordinary to move this country, we have to get in front of young people. Time and time again, I have spoken at different events where the average person is maybe 45 to 50 middle class, middle aged white people and, and the sad thing about it is that we have to start having more young people in those meetings 
They need to come out. They need to know about what's going on. And sometimes I, I do, I do realize that the issues are important, but we need to figure out what conservatives are going to do to get young people in those chairs. And I don't mean just have a little conservative group here on campus. I mean that, man, we really need to put some money behind going after young people. Right after Ferguson happened, I went out there a couple of days right after everything jumped off. And I noticed that they they had signs out there that said, no justice, no peace. But they were misspelled. Some of them had bullhorns out there that was uh, cardboard rolled up. But then five or six days afterwards, I went out there. I started seeing middle-aged people walking around with brand new shoes on, hair done, clothes freshly done, handing out sandwiches with laser uh, printed type of signs. And that's when it hit me. Uh-oh, money is in town. But I said all that to say is they went after young people. They figured out exactly what it was going to do to have young people out there. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, we need to, to start rioting or anything or doing what Hillary Clinton did and spend $60 million to have Jay-Z and Beyonce them give a concert. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that we need to sit down and figure out exactly what we have to do to get young people there. And that when young people start having questions, they can come to people like us so that they can have the answers on what to do to combat their liberal professors. Because these professors now are like little gods in these universities. I mean, come on, we got uh, uh, a, a black uh, uh, a, a uh, in, what is it, Santa Cruz, California, the university there. Yeah, nope. They have the black students wanting to paint a, 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 a whole red, black, and green and other uh, 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 African type of, of symbols and have it just for black. Do these morons realize that this is called segregation? They have no, what history class are they taking to where they want to segregate themselves? But what's even more sad is that the, 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 the true house Negroes or the true house niggas at the Congressional Black Caucus, they are saying they're doing nothing. Lacey Clay and the rest of them, Maxine Water, them, they are too busy worrying about trying to impeach a man for doing nothing and putting a sign, and keeping a sign up in the Capitol. They more worried about that or taking down some statues that are 150 years old. Really? You care more about that than your young people reverting back to segregation, something that their fathers, fathers marched for in St. Louis and, and Maxine Waters, she's from Kenlock. That's just the other county on the other side of me. Uh -huh. So why would she not step in and say something like that? That's That's crazy. You know, but young people right now, they don't have what liberals have. We have to give our young people a foundation, a base, where they will have a solid foundation to to stand on top of. We don't want the conservative group to be the only one little conservative group at a university full of liberals. They'll get decimated. They need us. They need us. They need our voice. And most of all, all the rich conservatives out there, they need your money. They need your money. That is what they need. They need your money. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay.
Yeah, most definitely. They need they need things that liberal kids have, man. They need a place to where they can sit down and come and talk about real issues without being screamed and hollered and yelled at and shouted down. Yeah, but you know that that, that is true. When you look at the entirety of the situation, the liberals, uh, you explain that very well. And a lot okay. a lot of people don't don't understand the bigger picture of, of of what you're talking about and and the disparity between the the uh, uh, conservatives, Christian conservatives, uh, social conservatives, moral conservatives, political, and the liberal or the lost my mindset uh, people out there. I, I I like that. Okay, yeah. And all right. And it's interesting too. You point out about the segregation factor. I thought that was very interesting. How many people mm-hmm. get that? Mr. Cage, how many people actually understand that? You know, when you look at the black community, segregation has always been a hot topic issue, especially with the older blacks. And I really don't think the older blacks really know about it because they're listening to the fake news. They don't hear it on the CNN. They're not going to talk about it. Right. You know, Fox News now, they may glance across it, but unless you really have an ear for it or really have an eye to look out for it, you won't see it. And of course, you know they're not going to put it on, you know, none of the big time news media to really shine a light on the situation. You have kids, you have young black kids, man, today that are protesting, having hunger strikes because they want to have their own little safe space. We have 7 billion people in the world. We have 327 million people in the United States. You live in a country that is probably one of the most diverse countries on the face of the earth. There should never be a safe space or a segregated place in the United States of America. But liberals, what they do is that, they encourage this because they're not actually trying to give these young uh, black American students uh, an education. They have an agenda. And their agenda is not peace. It's not to so-called coexist. Their agenda is to bring destruction and chaos to the United States of America. And they will use anybody they can to push to get this agenda over. If you look at men like George Soros, who is worth billions of dollars, and he spends billions of dollars through his Open Society Foundation in funding these uh, organizations and these uprisings, but many young people, they don't know who he is. They don't know where his money comes from. They don't know his background. All they know is that they're mad and they're angry and they're upset and they're frustrated and they should be frustrated, but they should be frustrated because they have failed for a system that many of their forefathers, many of their mothers and fathers through the Democrats has put in place and now that it is failing them, they have the right to be mad and frustrated. But their anger and frustration is geared towards the wrong people. It should be geared towards, one, the Congressional Black Caucus and the Democratic Party and a liberal agenda. That is who the frustration and the anger should be geared to. 
but because the news media, CNN and MSNBC, they twist it and turn it around and make it seem like it's the big bad white man in your neighborhood. Now, I ask this question. I used to sell drugs. I don't ever remember the Ku Klux Klan driving through my neighborhood doing a drive-by. All the drugs I sold was to blacks. Mm-hmm. All the drugs that I bought was from black. Now, every now and then I may sell a, I used to sell a bag of weed or, or a couple of rocks to a little, you know, a white boy coming from the county, but that was one out of a, a hundred problems. So it, it is, that's not it. So they make it, and then when you look at it, let's look at the Lacey Clays in, 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 in Missouri first congressional district. Right. He has been in this district for years. Before him, it was his father. He don't really even do no campaign now to when it's time to re-up because he knows he's going to win. He does what I call black church pimping. He go throughout uh, St. Louis and he go to some of the biggest churches in St. Louis. He give a little five or ten minute speech and make it seem like he's in Washington, D.C., Fight for it. His daddy used to say the exact same thing. We're going to make sure that we get the computers that the white schools have. We're going to make sure that we get this that the white school. And the reason black kids can't learn is because of the lead. And the reason black kids can't learn is because they don't have playgrounds and the food that they're eating and the lighting is not right and the chalkboard is not dark enough. And it's the exact same issues. That there's, that they, that his daddy said that he's using now and many of the people because the school systems in the black community are so poor, they're believing it and they say, yeah, he's going to fix it. His daddy didn't fix it and he's not going to fix it. There's nothing the congressional black caucus have did for African Americans in the past. I'm 45, 40 years. Wow. It they is- have sold black people out to the to to these communist type of 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 big big business, they have sold us out for the real plantation masters, and that's the Democratic Party. Isn't that amazing? And, and uh, folks, we're going to be uh, really promoting this segment of of tonight's show because it's so refreshing to hear Edward Cage, our guest, <coughs> excuse me, unhyphenated America. This is his website. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, my website is actually www.enterinmedia.com. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's not hyphenated. That that was just an article somebody did for me when I was, I think I was in California one time. But it's actually www.enter-slash-in-media.com. Got it. Yeah, actually, John sent that, our producer sent that to me. I'm sorry, but... I, I'm looking. I'm looking at the wrong thing. But uh, don't hurt me, man. I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, uh, well, and in fact, the link will be in our program description. In fact, it is in our program description. If I'd look. Uh, but it, it's so refreshing to hear the candor and the honesty coming from you. And, and you know, it amazes me um, how the. Seemingly, the advocates for blacks, it, it doesn't, I mean, color is color, but, but, so what? But it's amazing how they, they really capitalize on, on one's color, um, it, it, the black caucus and such, and keeping you, keeping the black community 
as you as you as you painted it, uh, kind of enslaved. And, and again, pardon my language with that, but but it's it's true. Uh, I got so many questions uh, on the other side of the break. I, I love this guy, Edward Cage, is our guest. He's a terrific public speaker. He's a conservative. Uh, he's a Christian conservative. He's just a, he's really a, a hero in this country, and I believe that based on you know his upbringing, coming how, how he came up in the world uh, and became his own man. Joe. Yeah, we'll be right back after these short messages. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Stay tuned. <coughs> no, that's all right. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Yeah. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Okay. I, I hope you're not. Uh, hope great you're not tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the no, world to this time. No, I'm, no, I'm not a nor ever shall be. I'm being kind of serious when I tell you. But, uh, folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com. Masterpreps.com. Wow. Uh, masterpreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High quality items, made in America items. I mean, anything, everything you could possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. To, I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Eric's. Uh, it's insane. I mean, wow, look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family, masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Chang Post and Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to aging major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We're offering 25% of our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either. But they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues, and so can you. Check out our American Heritage Army's kit at www.changewithwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. 
means you can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. That's where you can find news information analysis. And again, I'm going to be uh, uh, resurrecting HomelandSecurityUS.com from uh, the investigative reports we're receiving via infiltration of our uh, investigative assets into various groups. It's more important now uh, to get the information to the people who can do things um, as opposed to the public side of things. So that's why it's, it's kind of coming along slow. But having said that, uh, it's coming. Before we get back to our just tremendous guest, I've got a lot of respect for this man, Edward Cage. His website, enter, E-N-T-E-R, as if you enter into a door. Enter in, uh, dash, that is, enter, dash, in media. That's his website. It's going to be linked off of our program description and on our website. Uh, you've got it, folks. If you, if you have a pastor, tell your pastor about this man. Um, if you have a group, uh, that you really, th- th- this guy's a great public speaker and a, he's, he's got a solid message behind him. Before we get to back to him, ready made resources. Bob Griswold, we spoke with him yesterday about situational awareness. We all need to be aware of our surroundings and, and more so today than ever before. There's a war taking place in this country. Sadly, sadly, there's a war. Be prepared. Ready-made resources has got everything you need in terms of preparation, whether it be uh, uh, storable food, whether it be your night vision and your communications. Oh, the, the, the top-of-the-line stuff. This is not Walmart-grade uh, equipment or you know fire sale equipment. This is this is top-of-the-line equipment for uh, preparation. Ready-made-resources.com. Call Bob Griswold 800-627-3809. That's 800-627-3809. Or go to readymaderesources.com and let them know you heard about them on the Hagman and Hagman Report. I don't want to keep our guests waiting. Edward Cage is our guest. His website linked in the program description below. Enter hyphen in media. Um, Mr. Cage, thanks for holding over and, and thanks so much for everything you do. You speak the truth and, uh, wow, you just have a just tremendous story. So let's put you on the stage on the mall in Washington, D.C., speaking to a gazillion people. Okay. Okay. What's your message? God is good. God, God is. God is in complete control. America. You know, I like some Sundays when I have off and I don't feel like going to church <laughs> because I've been busy all week and all I want to do is just sit down and relax and and kind of spend a day with my wife. I like to look at old army movies and. You know, as I look at the movies, I, I look at these brave men uh, going to battle, and most of them, they had a chaplain in the group that they call preacher or, you know, some type of name regarding really uh, the man faith or his religion. I don't see a lot of that no more. America's greatest ally has been God, and I would strongly tell America to turn back to the one true living God, Jesus Christ. Uh, once we turn back, you know, it's kind of like Israel or Judah. Whenever Judah found themselves falling away from the Lord, they was punished. 
America is no different. If we continue to have a women's health, I'm sorry, abortion. You know, let, 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 let me jump off this subject just for a second. Sure. I am getting so tired of liberals running around calling abortion women's health. Mm-hmm. I have been in churches, man, where pastors have allowed these liberal Democrats to come in during voting season and say that plan, that Planned Parenthood is here for women's health and we're going to leave some literature here so that you can make the proper decision for you and your child. What type of garbage is that? They mean abortion. There is nothing humane about sticking a vacuum into a woman's vagina, sucking out the baby's brains, and dismembering it. There's nothing women healthy about it. And the nerve of Hillary Clinton and other females that run around with little vagina hats on talking about women. Have you people lost your everlasting mind that it's not women's health? It is murder. Point blank. The Bible says God knew you. There is something to know somebody and knew somebody. When God said, I knew the, 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 the number of hair in your head, that speaks volume of the relationship God has for a child. That is a gift. That is not something you stick something and then suck its brains out. And then if it lives, you just sit there and watch it die. What human being calls that woman's health? Hillary Clinton, Democrats, and shame on the Congressional Black Caucus for teaming up with the Planned Parenthood to go out into the black community and spew this garbage. I guess that's why 80% of their clinics are in minority communities because they know that minorities are some of their biggest customers with 1,800 babies, uh, 1,800 uh, black babies being killed, murdered, annihilated, snuffed out, whatever you want to call it, a day. So now I can go back to what I would tell the people Standing there watching. Amen, brother. Preach it, man. I, I love it. I'm right there with you. And, and I have that same feeling. Uh, Coach Dave Dobmeyer, I hope you're listening to this. Uh, you gotta get Edward Cage on the, on the, on the horn. Because, man, this, okay. Go ahead, sir. That's fantastic. You know, sometimes I, I, I'm a little brutal, brutal and, and, and harsh in my talking. And I think one of it is, but I don't have nothing against education, but I have not been formally educated in the halls of one of our great liberal institutions. So I really don't know how to be, you know, sugarcoat. It would kill me if I have to get up on a stage and try to sound deep. I, I, I did that once before when I first started speaking. I tried to write my speech out and use really big words and, and I found out that that's not me. You know, and, 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 and I thank God that he made me just the person that I am. This country needs to realize, man, that we are spiritually and politically in a free fall. And I'm not, you know, and yes, I endorsed Donald. I endorsed campaign and voted for Donald J. Trump. But that doesn't mean that my hope is in Donald Trump. My hope is in the man Christ Jesus. Now, Donald Trump's job is to not to be my pastor. 
I voted for Donald Trump because I wanted him to be the leader or the spokesperson of these United States of America. I didn't vote for him to be nice. I didn't vote for him to be politically correct. I didn't vote for him to coddle people, to to go by and, and, and sing kumbaya to people. I voted for him because I know that he will get the job done. And, you know, it, it's, 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 it's to the point to that, yes, I vote for my, I mean, um, I pray for my president, just like I prayed for Barack Obama. Yes, I did. The Bible tells us that we ought to pray for our leaders. Just like I prayed for him, I pray for this leader because if he does something wrong, it just doesn't affect one or two people. It affects all of us. Just like Obama policies, as destructive as they was, they affected all of us. One of the biggest policies that affected us is that we went from $10 trillion to $20 trillion. Come on, $20 trillion. 60, we had 90 million Americans not working or not participating in the workforce. And he got the, and, 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 and Barack Obama got the nerves to keep getting on television the last couple of years talking about, yeah, unemployment is at 4%, 4.9, 5.1. Dude, what numbers are you using? <laughs> that don't make any sense. But liberals, they loved it. They absolutely loved it. And with the fake news that's going around, they didn't say nothing about the 90 million people. Yeah, uh, Americans are back to work. $8 an hour jobs. That's not going back to work. No. That's going, I don't know what that's called, but it's not going back to work. You know, when you initiate a, a, a Obamacare and you forcing people to, to hire folks that's working between 25 and 30 hours, that's not full time because they have to pay all these crazy taxes. That's not going back to work. And because people was in a romantic love affair with the Obamas, they couldn't do nothing wrong. Obama, he put a ban on, on the same Muslim countries that that uh, Trump did. That's right. But now all of a sudden, it's wrong. And of course, the morons over at the Ninth Circuit, they they don't know no better. You know, they, yeah, whatever, yeah. We got Martians attacking the United States. Well, let's send some lights like they did in, in that movie Independence Day and send some lights to try to communicate with them. You don't communicate with people that want to destroy you. The Iranians, debt to America, debt to America. Let me say that again, liberals, debt. That does not mean coming over talking. That don't mean, you know, trying to negotiate a peace treaty. Debt to America. Why would our president want to negotiate, talk, or shake hands with someone that wants to literally wipe you and your allies off the face of the earth. I did not vote for Donald Trump to be Iranian's president. I mean, uh, friends. I do understand some type of talking has to go along, you know, to try to avert war, but if war come, I mean, hey, give it to him. I don't want to have a a war and you say, well, you know, we don't want to use everything in arsenal. We just want to use 22s. What? <laughs> no. Send everybody and everything. I want victory. I want our enemies to stand on the battleship like the Japanese did on the Missouri. That's what I want to see. That's I don't want to see us meeting up, shaking hands across the desert. That, that's not what I want to see. 
because I don't want to see my fellow Americans, whether you be liberal, Democrat, or homosexual, black, white, Indian, I don't want to see another one of you guys stretched out across the desert with your leg blew off, or you, or, or you coming back with your arm or your leg blew off, because our politician here in D.C., they want to play pity pad with the enemy. I don't want to see that. I want a general and a commander in chief that knows when it's time to get down with the get down, you get down with the get down. I love it, man. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Cage, I got a question for you. What do you make of all the, the, the hype in the media? Well, it's one thing to have, you know, I guess, well, let's deal with Trump first. Um, we see them, the, these people in the deep state and the media throwing everything at Trump trying to impeach him. What do you see going on with this whole situation? Um, you know, with the the Trump Russia thing, with with Comey. What do you what do you see as the the real truth uh, with what's going on versus what's being reported? You know, I think liberals they don't understand that if 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 Donald Trump is impeached, the next guy in line is Mike Pence. <laughs> I don't think they really know what they're asking for. Uh, but I really think right now is that liberals are doing anything to derail, uh, President Donald Trump because they realize that they lost. And when they lost in November, they lost miserably. They had things booking on Hillary Clinton just walking in. Hillary Clinton ran a horrible campaign. She lost almost 10% of the black vote. She lost a large vote in the, in the homosexual community, in minorities, Hispanics. And I think that they had so much booking on it and so much in play till they are coming up. I mean, they're just pulling out any and everything. And to impeach Donald Trump over something that's for, like they got this special prosecutor. Where's Hillary Clinton's special prosecute, uh, special prosecutor at? Amen. Where's Obama's special prosecutor, uh, at? All of these people needed some form of special prosecution during their public service. But all of a sudden, we want a special prosecutor for Donald Trump. And now they are using people like Al, uh, Al Green to be one of the first ones to initiate it to make it seem like it's a race thing. Uh, uh, what I see what's going on in America, if, if people think this is about race, they have really been fooled. You know, it is, yeah, it's, it's, America, it's not about race. It's not Sorry. about race. But, 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 but they're trying to make it about race. I didn't mean to interrupt, but, but that's exactly what they're trying to do. And they're trying to divide all of us up, uh, on uh, racial lines, on the social economic lines, on the political lines. Political, religious. And that's why they do. They throw everything at the wall to see what sticks. Yeah. And then they pick up from there and continue to hammer those points home that, that catch traction. Um, you know, back to the, the political correctness, what, what's called the social justice warrior movement. Um, I, I don't believe it would be nearly as big as a deal if the media and, uh, you know, the, a lot of these universities did not elevate these people's, uh, you know, hurt feelings to a level of, of special rights. Why do you think that the media is, is championing these causes that are immoral, that are, uh, you know, unconstitutional? And as you described earlier, you know, going back to segregation, it's crazy that we're having this conversation oh, that they're doing this, but the media is even, uh, you know, the same media that calls other people racist is promoting these things, these, these racist policies. Are, are, are we that stupid? I mean, the, the public is the public yeah. that, that's stupid. 
Well, I think part of it too is uh, uh, we can put the blame on Christian conservatives also. Mm-hmm. We are, whether people like to see it or not, we are the biggest voting block, as you can see with Donald Trump. But we don't stop spending money. I mean, cable television, if everybody decided to turn their cable television off, CNN would, will collapse in one week. We have to stop putting our money into these universities from, uh, 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 um, going after and, 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 and giving our money to these corporations that we know promote this type of, of stupidity and ignorance. But the, uh, one of the big things that we could do is start in the public schools. We have most of the school boards in America that are ran by liberals. And the reason that liberals can go out and they can say and do whatever they want to do at the school board is because parents are not active. That's one of the biggest mistakes as a parent that I, 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 I can just knock myself over the head Excuse me, and that's not being more active in the school board uh, that the schools that my kids went to. The school boards they start them off really young. By the time they get in middle school, by the time they get into you know high school and college, they're so numb to anything that sounds good, and they put they don't give the kids facts; they give them emotions to draw off of. And the next thing you know, they're so emotional, they ain't, it's kind of like when they go into the military, they cut them all down and build them all up. Um, and when they go into these schools, man, they indoctrinate these young kids now into every little thing that goes on, they blow it up. But they don't blow it up based on facts. They blow it up on emotions and what feels good. And whenever you have... A, a university uh, like 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 what's going on in California, Santa Cruz, when they're literally talking about segregating the black students, are talking about segregating themselves, and to see white kids standing side by side saying, "Yeah, they need to be segregated. They need their space. White people are killing them." What? Ninety percent of the black people that are killed in America are killed by other black people. They don't need safe spaces. That's, 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 you know, there's no word for me to come up with besides that's sad. That is sad that we're even having this conversation and I've had this conversation before and no matter how many times I study for it, I try to look at the numbers, I try to find the big words to sound real deep, but the only word I can find is a three letter word and that's just sad. I just, that's, That's something like right there that blows your mind and to see that the Democrats, which are some of the biggest racists in the United States, they are funding and promoting this type. And to see the so-called black leaders, they're doing nothing to stop this. Carl Lewis, didn't he march with, with, with Dr. King? He should be ashamed of himself. Man, he should be on the first plane out there saying no. No, this this is not going down. The Congressional Black Caucus and the other black pastors and black leaders, when you see the homosexuals try to take up and call homosexual rights civil rights, they should say, no, we're not doing this. Gay rights, let me say this loud and clear so people can understand what I'm saying. Gay rights is not civil rights. That's right. And shame on the so-called black leaders of America to not fight that. 
And the last time I checked, young people, especially young black people that are in college, it was not the Democrats. It was the Republicans. But we are having this conversation, and I just, I don't know what to say, man, besides it's just sad. You know, when something like that happens, and you know that it's just so wrong on so many levels, all you can do is fight it. You may not have the right words. But you just fight it because you know it is absolutely so wrong. And when I hear liberals debate against it, man, I don't want to. I don't want to get into the debate. I just want to get them and choke them. Like really, you know that's <laughs> know that should be yeah. debate on kids of any color or race in America want to segregate yourself based on your race. Man, do young people take a civics class? Do they take a real history class? I'm not talking about a history class that is taught by a black guy with a daishiki or, 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 or a 35-year-old white woman with dreadlocks in her head. I'm not, I'm talking about a real in-your-face history class, no matter how much it hurts your little feelings, but this is the fact. I don't care about people going around the country knocking down monuments. That's not going to stop the history. Leave them things up there. They need. They are part of our history. They are part of our history. Yeah. They need to be up there, and they need to be explained why those monuments are up there. If you don't like them, learn about them. Just don't say, yeah, well, the Ku Klux Klan put this up. You moron. It was not always the Ku Klux Klan. They were up there because it represents people history. And the last time I checked, there was blacks fighting in the South. You know, but once again, you have to be taught these things. And they don't want to teach this in our schools, so therefore our kids walk around brain dead. That's why the biggest shows on television right now is on MTV and uh, 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 Housewives or just all Housewives or whatever city or the Kardashians or whatever. These are the mindset that they're feeding. It's kind of like junk in, junk out. They feed our young kids junk, and it's junk out. Even when you look at the, the, the media like CNN and CBS, it's junk in and jump out, junk out. It doesn't make sense if our young people go to college, they get educated, and they're done. It doesn't make sense. You see what I'm saying? Oh, so absolutely. It's, uh, it is, it's, it's sad, man. It's sad. And I was going to ask you about the... Uh the tearing down of the monuments, the, the history revision that's going on. But you just you just covered that. Um, we have about three minutes left in this segment. I want to make sure that you get to to hit on anything else that you want to hit on. Is there anywhere that we didn't talk anything we didn't talk about that you wanted to get into tonight? No, it's uh you know I just enjoy talking about what's going on in this country. You know this this is the greatest country on the face of the earth. I've been to other countries. And there's nothing more delightful than when the pilot comes over and say we are now in American airspace. America is up under attack right now. And if we don't turn back to the one true living God, Jesus Christ, we will find ourselves in some really bad situations right now. Uh, and it's going to continue to get worse. Like I said before, we can put God on the back burner and expect and expect all of his blessings. It doesn't work like that. When Donald Trump became president, he became president of all America. Just like when Barack Obama became president, 
they told us to suck it up, just go with it. Well, I'm not telling you to suck it up or go with it. I'm just telling you to pray because if he fails, we all fail. I want my leaders to to those that have rule. I want them to, to succeed and do good because I want to live in a prosperous country. America is great. There's no other country like her. And you live in the greatest country on the face of the earth. And she is worth fighting for. Because when America fails, there's no other place to go. There's not another America. There's not another Garden of Eden. There's not another. It's just this place is the last stronghold, the last holdout point. You can't name another country as great as this country. I haven't been to a whole, I've been to a handful of countries, but I haven't been like all over the world. But this right here, man, this is, you wouldn't want to go no place else. You yeah, know, and when, I, and when I hear liberals, they constantly trying to tear it down and destroy. And the liberals, they're not doing it to, to, to make it better. They're doing it to collapse it. George Soros is putting his money behind it, not because he want to see a prosperous and strong America. He's putting his money behind it because he want to see America destroyed. Point blank. I just encourage everyone to, uh, you can visit me or see me at, uh, com. You can get to me that way for speaking engagements. Just go to the website. Everything is out there. And I so appreciate, uh, you guys having me on your show. And, uh, once again, I hope that I didn't, uh, step on no toes. Yes, I do. Just I, I, I hope you did. And, and uh, toes that need stepping on, my man. I'll tell you, thank you so much for your candor. Uh, and thanks for standing up for the truth. And thanks for doing, uh, doing it, uh, with, uh, it was such conviction, and and I, I I stand behind you, and boy, I'll tell you what, man, you you speak the truth. Thank you so much for for grace, gracing us with your time, uh, gracious gift of time, and uh, give our uh, give our love to your family, uh, great family. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank uh, you very much. Thanks right. for having me, and God bless America. Amen. God bless America, indeed. You have a good and, night. A true patriot, Joe, and, and a true man. Uh, Man of God and the guy that, that I think a lot of, you know, looking through his, wow. If you visit his website, enter-inmedia.com. We need more people to speak out. Yes, it's, we do. Uh, yes, we do. It's, uh, pretty crazy when, you know, 90%, 95% of the people out there, at least speaking out, seem to be, you know, we got them on the hell bent on destroying this country. Yeah. But, you know, the silent majority's out there. We gotta quit being silent. Um, as we approach these things. Folks, we will be right back after these short messages. Don't go anywhere. we got a fantastic hour lined up for you with two guests coming on to talk about a number of important issues, uh, the 5G networks, technology, oh, and some other things. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Just what kind of thriller predicts the future? In three days in the belly of the beast, Daniel Holdings wrote about the God Particle before CERN actually discovered the God Particle. In As the Darkness Falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a 
warning from the Creator to His creation. Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, DanielHoldings.com. That's DanielHoldings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to DanielHoldings.com. Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high net worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. At HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. This edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report, have we got some information to give to you? I mean, I'll tell you what. You think you know all about the 5G network, the Internet of Things. Everything is connected. You think you know. No, I don't think so. Our uh, next guests are really going to lay it all out for you in this uh, wonderful program. I want to thank John, our producer, for all of his hard work lining up the guests and, and us mucking it up on this end, right? That's okay. Um, no, all right. Yeah, you know, it's, it's all right. And, and a couple of announcement, uh, announcements. Uh, Steve Quayle, Tim Alberino on with the George Norrie tonight, Coast to Coast AM. Tune in tonight if you're... Two hours, I'll be in. Yeah, it's, it's great. I mean, uh, uh, so spread the word far and wide. Tim Alberino and Steve Quayle on Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie tonight. A couple of hours there. It's 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 good stuff, man. And uh, if you didn't catch me live on on Infowars, I'm I'm kind of pipping that out here. Uh, definitely, it's you can see it off of uh, Infowars.com. 
spend, uh, I don't know, an hour, hour and some minutes with uh, Alex uh, Jones today talking about uh, Comey, that situation there. Also, the murder of Seth Rich. And I, I, yeah, I do want to add to We're going to have more on that tomorrow in our first segment. Yeah. And, and, and folks, uh, you know, George Webb does a great uh, piece on Seth Rich um, as well. George Webb, W E B B. I, I mention him all the time. Uh, follow his investigations on YouTube. Uh, I get emails saying, well, why don't you mention that? Yeah, I do, I do. I'm, you know, what more can I do? Um, and he's been, I guess, on our show, and he uh, can be coming back as well, I'm sure, to talk about this, some of the stuff that, uh, that he's found. And all, all of this, you know, the, the Awan brothers and such, if you're not familiar with that, it's all connected. And understand the infiltration of our Congress by... Muslim Islamic operatives. It's all, it's all connected. I don't want to keep our guests waiting. Before we get to our guests, however, Minuteman Stove. Have you have you gone to MinutemanStove.com? Have you gone there? Look, folks, it could very well get bad, whether it's an EMP, a sun flare, you know, whatever, whatever, disaster. Cost, whatever. Yeah. Or if you just want to go camping with a super cool stove, Minuteman Stove is, they've got the best of the best of the best rocket stoves on the planet. MinutemanStove.com. And, and I, I like the Minuteman stoves because, you know what, little, just a little bit of wood. From a practical standpoint, I can operate this without a problem. Although, you know, most people could. Um, Eric the Tech and others look at, look upon me with pity when it comes to stuff like this. The fire starters, uh, great, great fire starters. I mean, wow is all I got to say. And, of course, they've got other products. They're all, all made in America for Americans, by Americans. Uh, it's great. It's a great product. It really is. MinutemanStove.com. Go to visit MinutemanStove.com. And, and when you do order your Minuteman Stove, which you should, Make sure you tell them you heard it on the Hagman and Hagman Report. Uh, all right, Joe, I'm going to kick it over to you. Yeah. Uh, because we have I, just two guests with us. I just blanked. We have two guests with us, uh, Stephen Menking on TheObjective.org and Chris Bacham, RemnantRadioNetwork.com. That's RemnantRadioNetwork.com. Uh, Steve, I'm going to toss it to you. Well, thanks again, Joe, Doug, Eric, John, everyone at the Hagman and Hagman Report, and all of your families as well. I just want to go right to the Lord in prayer, because we're going to need the fire of the Holy Spirit to do anything like what Edward Cage just did in the last segment. So, Lord, we just thank you for your presence. You say where two or three are gathered in your name, then you are here in the midst, Jesus. And so we thank you that you are the lifter up of our heads, that you are our salvation, our savior, our rock, and our stability in this time of great confusion and deception. Lord, speak through us, overshadow our weakness, be glorified in everything that we present, and Lord, bring a message for your people that is informative and exhorts them and encourages them to focus on you and to understand the times in which we live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, well, let's uh, let's get started right out of the gate. We have an hour, and we got a lot to cover in terms of technology. It's a very wide subject, particularly if we are going to bridge the gap with the Christian worldview and how Christians need to be approaching these kind of technological developments that are coming and are already here in some cases. So because I'm a finance guy, I'm going to start out right away talking about Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin tripped my $1,900 per coin price alert earlier this evening while the last guest was speaking. And so it's currently trading at all-time highs. And so 
before I ruffle anyone's feathers, there's a couple different things that we need to understand. Number one, if you're going to get involved in anything, whether it's Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, or anything else, you need to do your homework. And my exhortation to everyone is that when we talk about things like decision theory and opportunity cost and how when you make a decision, you're also choosing not to do anything else, you need to do the homework on where your assets are right now. So if your assets are in a bank, understand what that means. Do your homework in terms of history. But ultimately, you can't invest in something that you don't understand, so you have to do that. Otherwise, you're going to make the wrong decisions all the way through the process. It's easy to get into something. It's harder to get out at the right time. But ultimately, it's all about prayer. You know, we, in whatever expertise and training and experience we have, have such a small finite, minuscule amount of insight onto all of these different things at such a broad level that we really need to be following the lead of the Holy Spirit and going to the Lord in prayer for everything. And I know sometimes it's tough for people who, you know, make a misstep. We do things that we know we shouldn't, and we don't do things that we know we should. That's normal. It's it's something that all of us deal with in this ongoing walk, in this ongoing sequence of perfection. I know I'm nowhere close but I'm doing my best to follow the will of the Lord for my life as it's revealed on an ongoing basis by the Holy Spirit. So let's turn to Revelation real quick, because one of the things that I hear is that, well, Bitcoin or some other things are the mark of the beast. And so not all technology is associated with something like that concretely. Now, of course, don't believe me. We have to go right to Scripture and see what the Word of God says for itself. And to a certain extent, there's going to be some opacity because we're not totally sure of all of the exact details of how it's going to play out. But I think the theme here is going to be we need to avoid being technophilic and we need to avoid being technophobic. We need to do our homework and pray so that we can get the discernment through the Holy Spirit to follow up on everything that the Lord would have us to do to make the best use of technology and to stay away from things where we need to stay away from. So the Mark of the Beast passage is in um, Revelation 13, and it's verse 16. And it says, And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. And then verse 17, And that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So the real question is, well, who is that he in that first verse? Well, if we go back and read a bunch of verses previously, in that context, this is the false prophet. It's the one who does great wonders and makes fire come down from heaven and deceives the people on earth because of these miracles. And so I, I don't know about anybody else, but I don't think that's happened yet. And so in the direct context in which we're in, I wouldn't ascribe Bitcoin as mark of the beast status unless, you know, I suppose in the future there's some way for these systems to merge and it definitely has some of those attributes about controlling the financial mechanisms. And so we always need to be treating these things with a great deal of gravity and seeking the Lord on them as well. But even because even though these specific criteria might not be met, it doesn't mean that something similar or something could come about as a result of this ongoing technology. But as far as I'm concerned, this technology in terms of cryptocurrencies is going to be one of the best ways to recapitalize the entire financial system in terms of isolating and getting rid of the big banking structure. And so that, by way of introduction, it's a really important topic. Do your homework on it. Watch some videos. There are some really good outlines of how the tech works. It's fancy math, and it's really cool if you can get your, get your teeth into it. But 
Long story short, don't invest in anything you don't understand and go to God first for guidance before you make any decision, let alone something of a financial import. And, you know, Chris, I'll, I'll pass the, I'll pass the mic over to you. The floor is yours, my friend. Yeah, this is Bitcoin 101, but it gets a lot deeper. I've had a chance to look at it myself. And when we look at what's going on in the world with the technology, the technocracy, and Bitcoin is certainly going to play a part in that. Um, you know, we're being studied into oblivion, you know, through our life, through our behavior, or even gaming. And technology has been both the great equalizer and the great divider. And it could ultimately be the great eliminator at this pace. You know, we look at the paradox we're presented with. For years, many have argued that it makes us dumber, and realistically, if you look at the human race as test cases in a laboratory, then that makes sense. Lab animals don't develop like their counterparts in the wild. The technology giants, as well as our governments, are using this making humans better sales pitch to draw interest into the possibilities, and the problem with that is it's it's kind of a, akin to selling a, a moon landing for funding that will get them there while it leaves the rest of us in low orbit. And so we're, we're facing a number of challenges here as Christians and just as citizens in this country to understand where this is all going. And right now, if you look at uh, one of the big advantages that uh, is shared among tech companies moving forward, which is artificial intelligence, or we'll just call it AI from here on out, China seems to be leading the way in many of those areas, and that's a communist nation uh, by any uh, dictum. So, you know, behind every possibility sits a master player, and that player is always ready to make it work to their advantage. And you can bet that while we're gearing up and getting better with these technologies, the claws of this global cabal are going to sink deeper into our psyches, not only to help us in the short run, but to extract what's left for their own upgrades and ensure that um, the little that remains in our arsenal to fight back is is removed. So you just have to listen to uh, what some of these things are saying out here. I know that uh, you have the folks, the good folks from Technocracy News, come by every once in a while or or, or share the uh, the yeah. waves with you. And these guys do a fantastic job of keeping their hand on the pulse. And um, the problem that we're facing is that as this is pushed forward on our our population. We're also facing uh, the idea that if you don't assume this new reality, then you're going to become essentially like a flip phone <laughs> to the human race. And uh, and this is a, a, a very scary and costly uh, decision that we have to choose from. And it'll cause, essentially it could cause divides that are being forced, you know, like, like we have traditionally these old racial divides that we're trying to heal from. I think your last guest is a, is a, is a beacon of hope that we can get through that type of stuff. But these ideologies with this new human upgrading that we're, we're essentially looking at right now are going to divide us once again. And I, I fear that it's going to wipe out much of the human population just due to the irrelevance of, of people that don't, don't have the upgrades, can't afford them or, or refuse to take them on. And Chris, what you're talking about is incredibly important, and even if there isn't this kind of wholesale elimination or depopulation, and that appears to be the agenda for different factions and perhaps an overriding one in terms of like the split between 
human and post-human things that are, have been talked about for uh, going as far back in philosophy as uh, 150 years. But it's worth noting because you pointed out the flip phones and their obsolescence. You know, I had a flip phone until 2010, and it was only after you know I joined the investment banking group in the technology uh, division at Morgan Stanley that it was kind of unacceptable for me not to have a smartphone at, at that point. That's not a, not a good look uh, from a professional status. But that was less than a decade ago, and we can make a joke about that, and everybody can understand it. And what that really underscores that I think people understand Moore's law of the exponential increase in computing power, but maybe a certain aspect of that hasn't been grasped. And that's probably because, generally speaking, on a historical basis, we tended to live in linear fashions. You know, if, if, there's, if there's progress, it's relatively slow over the course of a period of time, so that in a lifetime, you know, prior to a couple couple centuries ago, uh, you know, dating back to the flood or however however far back you want to go in, in the modern human civilization timescale, there wasn't an awful lot of change. There would be distinguishing characteristics depending on where you are, what civilization, what society, what style of governance and the rest of it. But it wasn't until the industrial revolution and then the technological revolution where this exponential part really started going um, skyward at an impressive rate. And so... This really is important for us to understand because we've gotten used to a faster pace of change, but that pace of change is always going to be increasing in and of itself. And so when we're talking about forecasts for what things are going to look like in five and ten years, we have to do the kind of research and investigation that, um, that, some, that some people are doing, like the folks over at True News or at the Internet of Things conference right now. So looking at what is being presented now, and it it's no longer taking any real leaps of extrapolation to see a totally transformed economy and a totally transformed society where you were talking about robot rights and and everything else like that, like let alone the problems that we have now. I mean, you either see visions of utopia or dystopia, and it's it's hard to see something kind of in between, but, you know, we usually do end up in a more in a more moderate position in terms of things that can be actualized. But... My main point here, and you know, why does this matter? It's because we're not good at predicting the future. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I certainly can't. Otherwise, you know, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be in a one bedroom apartment right now. I, I would have done different things in the fin- in the financial game. So, understanding that we don't have that predictive ability, we have to do the best that we can, but always acknowledge that we may not be able to have perfect forecasting apart from the Lord revealing something to us. And it seems oftentimes when people are, you know, get, get visions about what's to come in the future, that's often nondescript in terms of the timing. So there's always this unknown element, and that requires constant vigilance, and that is exhausting. It's absolutely tiring to keep up with everything in the news that's happening now, let alone what might be happening in six months or six years. So it's important. And it's really important because we're talking about things that will impact our lives in the near future, near being a decade. And it certainly will impact the lives of our children. In fact, we may see a a world so transformed that we wouldn't be able to recognize it. And so, you know, Chris, uh, can you, can you help me out here? Like, what are, what are the primary mechanisms? We're sort of talking in broader brushstrokes, but is there anything specific on your radar that you want to point out as something that people need to be focused on? I do. I think the philosophical aspect of it is important, though, and I'm going to get into some of the details and the specifics for you so that folks understand what's going on out here, if they don't already. A lot of folks do, but you're right. Keeping up with the content 
especially with my podcast and your podcast and what these guys are doing here is, is a, is a true challenge to stay relevant out here and, and keep people up to date. I think the problem with technocracy isn't the idea of using science and technology to improve our lives. I think we can all agree that that's a good thing. It's the idea of selling us the improvement while the old forces of elitism, socialism, feudalism, and war profiteering play out to the advantage of a few. If the goal is to become godlike, and I believe that the people that are involved in, some of the people that are involved in nanotechnology, AI, and bioengineering, that's the ultimate goal for some of these people, especially the profiteers. In essence, what we did in the 20th century uh, to nature to make the planet more habitable for mankind will now be done to uh, the rest of mankind to make it more habitable for Godkind. And Earth will become essentially a cosmic country club. It'll only be fit for the people with the right hardware and software and the means to act as gods on this Earth. And they can't create daylight, but by means of getting rid of existing knowledge of both God and history, they'll be able to take the mantle of perception for everyone and everything they create thereafter. And that's my greater concern here. Even the people that are proposing all of this right now, there was an author, Harari, uh, who wrote a book, a recent book about uh, the phenomenon of what's going on in uh, AI, and he noted that uh, he compared it to something we've been doing for years, uh, and and that is essentially uh, that religion, in a sense, is a virtual reality game. There, there's a set of, he called it arbitrary laws. He said you have to gain points, and if you gain enough points in this life, you get to go to the next level. And God has been written off by these people, and that's my concern, and that should help you understand where your belief in God and religious freedom is headed under their control. I had a, a person this weekend uh, give me the line that God is BS, straight to my face. And I just I made the argument to this person. I said, just because you figure out how to manipulate the world around you in no way justifies the denial of God, you know, and, and I'll tell the atheist to sit down on this one because I believe they're some of the most unscientific people on earth. They arbitrarily deny God without evidence to prove or disprove him in what could be argued as your own myth and then swear by it with your belief in science. And that's not very scientific in my opinion. It's uh, Science is incapable at this point of providing evidence to the contrary. So they lean on the Bible timeline to make the argument. And this is what we're being bombarded with constantly to justify the push for technology and science. And if science defined time in a way that we can understand it for the purposes of study and definition, it doesn't mean we have an understanding of time in any ethereal or godly sense. You can't invent the terms of the argument then argue that science supports it with no bias because it can't when using the units that they invented for measurement. So these are the things that we're facing right now as we move forward and as we get into some of the details of the science behind this with the nanotechnology, the bioengineering, and the uh, other parts of science that are important, including AI, which is the big one right now, I think that the audience will understand just how critical what Stephen is saying is in terms of deciphering what it means for us as Christians. Yeah, you're right on there, Chris. And just to piggyback on that point a little bit, you know, 
the people who would say something like that, I guarantee you if you ask them a list of sort of five simple questions, all right, you know, how do we calculate, how does standard cosmology calculate the age of the universe and the speed of light as well as some other key variables, then, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't explain it. It's just a robotic um, translation of ideology. Ideology in and you can predict what people are going to say. If someone becomes entirely predictable in their conversation, then they're not actually thinking. They're just repeating and so maybe to a certain extent in a flippant way the technological revolution is among us and there are people who are walking around like robots and just responding to their programming but you know if we're talking about this these technological developments for better or for worse it's worth asking ourselves the question well is this inevitable well what's going to happen well what could derail it well i suppose if there's um total nuclear war and everything is eliminated that's going to put a that's going to put a stop to it or an EMP style cataclysm where the entire electrical infrastructure grid gets knocked off for for a century yeah that'll that'll put it back a while or i suppose an anti-tech revolution among the people who say you know we're we're kicking we're kicking that away but we can't get people to rise against the blatant evils of things like um abortion and everything else that's right in our face so i wouldn't i wouldn't be expecting that because people have been trained and inoculated to accept this kind of thing in a brave new world kind of sense and apart from that we're talking about a sovereign move of god but it's worth noting that god is using technology he's using it right now and so it's up to us to make sure that we are informed watchful paying attention to the things that really matter and calling it out, but at the same time doing everything in our power, and more importantly, the power that we can receive from the Holy Spirit in order to play our positions and to make sure that we are doing everything we can to bear fruit for the kingdom of God and to give glory to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's worth noting, guys, and brothers and sisters in Christ watching live and on archive, that the amount of people who are alive today is approximately equivalent to the amount of people who were alive in the entirety of human history previously. And even if that's not totally accurate, the idea is there's there was exponential growth in the population during the 20th century, and so we have an incredible harvest, a harvest that would is probably making the apostles and the first disciples and the and the book of acts church just salivate. You know, this is the, this is the cloud of witnesses that would that would you know, they would relish being in the position that we're in to reach people with the gospel and to, to tell them that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that you can be reconciled to God and that your sins can be forgiven and that you can have eternal life and you will have eternal, either you, you do have an eternity. There is life after death. It's just a question of will you go into eternity with God or without him? It's a simple question. It's the most important for all of us to answer because before we get into untying and unpacking everything else, that's the, that's the starting point. That's the foundation. And if we're not standing on that, then this whirlwind of technology and politics and finance and everything else, or even just the day-to-day thing, happenstance of life. You get a medical bill. You have to make a trip to the emergency room. Something's going on at school. It's, a, it's endless. It's endless in this world, but it's only the peace and joy of the Lord that the Holy Spirit can give us that will sustain us through this. So, you know, as we uh, get ready to go out to break, we're going to cover a lot of specifics on the other side, Chris, but am I missing anything in terms of the big picture analysis, like how our attitude should be structured? You know, where should, where should we be focused, do you think? I think we just have to be aware of what's going on and how it can be used. There, Obviously, we want to focus on the benefits of all of these technologies, but 
you know, when you look at the most recent research, there was a study done with scientists at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, which is my alma mater, and, uh, and the National Institutes of Health and Drug Abuse. I think it was the National Institute of Drug Abuse, but at any rate, they did a study together, and they were able to control which neurons in the brain fired off, and they were able to control this using a form of, of nanotechnology and pharmacology to do that. And that's that's really, to me, with with my mind, that goes really past anything that I want to even consider. I know that we already do that with pharmacological agents, but at this point, the old adage, there's no such thing as a perfect crime, is starting to become irrelevant because this this does present a nearly perfect crime. Let's say that, that they combine these and then they want to affect your memory. They can change your memory, can can have you forget certain things or, or remember something entirely different depending on how they interact. This is all AI and manipulated stuff that's going on with DARPA and these other agencies and, and organizations. And Something like this could go airborne and affect a population for a short time or a longer time, depending on the desired outcome. What if uh, people in charge wanted you to forget a crime? What if they wanted to put you there and have you remember that you were there? So there's a lot of things that we need to think about as we move forward in manipulating our environment. We'll get into some of that, as we say, in the last 30 minutes of the show, the, the very specific details that outline the science that's going on. You mentioned Rick Wiles from True News. That's really important. Who owns your knowledge and who gets it when you die? And these are things that are all being debated right now, as if they needed to debate this, but apparently, because there are holdout generations, I call them relic generations, then they have to focus on this. The millennials are already willing to give it up. Absolutely. And and Stephen, and you guys have done a, a fantastic job. We can just uh, sign off and take our seats yeah, off just and, and go upstairs back. and let you take care of it. Um, fantastic, very informative uh, half hour, and, and we were just sitting here enjoying the, the content, and it's all very relevant uh-huh. to what we're dealing with today. And um, it's just uh, it's great to see, you know, people getting on board, getting the information that you guys are sharing. Stephen Menking, Chris Bacom is our guest, Bacom is our guest. On theobjective.org is Stephen's website, and remnantradionetwork.com is Chris's website. We'll be right back after these short messages. Don't go anywhere. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Masterpreps.com, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you possibly want from cooking utensils, cooking frying pans. I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Erickson. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman Hagman Report family, masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? 
Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Trang Post in the Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to 18 major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We're offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either, but they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues, and so can you. Check out our American Heritage Armies kit at www.changewoodswoods.com. Your life may depend on it. Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. You can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. If you know what's good for you, you stand back and you listen, and you 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 become educated. You get the information, and and this is this is why I love these guys. They've got just a great presence and a great delivery. And you talk about doing their homework. Wow! Before we get back to our guests, uh, PreciousTimber.com. You know, accredited investors are looking to protect their their money. If you if you've got money in the pension system, normal pension, or if you've got money in the market folks please understand what we're dealing with we're dealing with just a really funky market and and our guest tonight i mean steve making he knows of which he speaks but preciousTimber.com alternatives to what you are in today plus this is a company preciousTimber.com uh they appeal to accredited investors, long-term investments such as coconuts, profits and coconuts dot com, and uh, but but they're they're helping. This is a company that helps other people, that helps countries, that helps the disadvantaged, that goes in and builds schools, and, uh, changes the complexion of communities. They they have done so much for so many. Visit preciousTimber.com. dot com. Whether it's coconuts, God bless you. Whether it's coconuts. Or regardless of what it is, check them out, PreciousTimber.com. We're going to be hearing from Alex Wilson again here soon, I hope, 
to talk about their newest initiatives and what they've been doing for the people. PreciousTimber.com. And mention you heard it on Hagman Report because uh, we get a $20 bill with a thank you on it. Every No, I'm kidding. But mention you heard it on HagmanReport.com. Let's turn it back over to our guest, Stephen Menking. Uh, Stephen, going to toss it to you. Go ahead. Take over. We're, we're well, thanks, Doug. <laughs> Well, you're you're dismissed, you know. But uh, feel free to jump in at any point if you have a particular question or something something strikes you. It's important that we let the Holy Spirit lead, and if it's through us, great. If it's through you, even better. Uh, so I'm gonna pass it over to Chris right away, so that we can get into some of the specific aspects and themes and devices that we're talking about in terms of technology, what to pay attention to, and what's up ahead on the road in front of us. Chris. Yeah, when we left the break, and thanks for doing that, uh, Stephen. Uh, when we left the break, we were talking about who has the right to your data when you die, and I was uh, indicating that these uh, the relic generation. I think of the relic generation as anyone that's roughly forty years older or older, including myself. Uh, we hold on to this information where millennials are more likely to share it online, share it through their pictures and other things, and so the corporate governance and the uh, these corporations are already beginning to have this discussion about taking this information because it's critical information to complete this web. As we talk about the global brain and we talk about this low-orbiting satellite system where they're building these satellites to put them in the air and transmit at these really strong defense-level uh, frequencies that, in my opinion, could harm people just based on what I've been reading, um, you know, this is something that we have to think about is they want to become godlike. They want to, they want to get as much information as they can and put it into their system. And you can bet that when this is all over, this is going to, to be used to harm people as well as help people. But I think the help is probably a sales pitch for, for the harm that's coming along. Some of the more specific technologies that they come to mind that are current, not the ones that are on the horizon, but the current ones are things like uh, drone swarms, and there was a, a recent article on DARPA about these swarms and the rise of these swarm wars and these guys in the military competing, and my thought immediately goes to what they're planning in cities around the country, which is to, to erect buildings that essentially act as a bee's nest, and these drones will uh, come to the bee's nest and, and you know, sit, and then when they're told to do any particular thing, they leave. Now, that sounds really great if you're, say, uh, delivering a product to someone's house and they need it, uh, but the, the real challenge here is when it becomes a herding mechanism to herd people, to, to, to scare them, when it becomes weaponized as a replacement for, you know, face-to-face uh, dealings with uh, law enforcement and other people like that. And these dangerous things are underway right now. And DARPA is all over the board. I mean, they're looking at so many different things that could affect how we live our lives. They're already decoding the decision-making abilities of mice by studying their brain activity. And this goal is to supercharge it. The goal here is to supercharge human brains in these complex military situations in order to give them extraordinary uh, capabilities more power that citizens really won't be able to stop. And Eisenhower warned us about this. The more time that passes, the more I think uh, his genius was well beyond his time. They've uh, taken it to another level where 
uh, we're downloading skills. That's that's what we're working on now, and that is to increase our adaptability on the field, to train people faster, to get people to the point where they're uh, better fighting machines, better performers, all this other stuff. But if you can't see the danger in this, it, 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 there's a lot of benefits because we bypass the need for much of our education if they perfect the system. But the problem is those who have access and those who don't. And again, we go back to the first comment I made about us being technology being the great equalizer versus the great divider. Well, when you equalize everybody, at what level do you keep them equalized while the, the, the more important power is held up top for control? And this is really what we're facing with these dilemmas is do you really believe that corporations and corporate governance and under especially what we're dealing with with Soros and all these different people around the world, the cabal that we're dealing with uh, with globalism, do you really think these people are going to take care of us and, and do the ethical thing with when it comes to downloading skills straight to the brain? Well, presumably not. It's uh, obviously a little bit of a loaded question, but it doesn't take too much extra thought to imagine that the benefits and the rewards of introducing these kind of radically advanced technologies will be accrued to the people who have the power to accrue the rewards to themselves. And so this is all part of a, of a system of manipulation that goes back uh, to Babylon itself. And I'd recommend people get their hands on Paul McGuire's material in order to bridge that gap and see all of those different connections uh, written out in a very clear, precise way. But, you know, Chris, I don't think people necessarily grasp where we are in terms of things like material science. We now have the ability to create materials that are one atom thick. If you've ever heard of graphene, then you know what I'm talking about. If not, look it up. Incredibly powerful stuff. Material that is stronger than steel and flexible and essentially invisible and camouflaged. And so if you can create something that's one atom thick, you can create something like a neural lace, which is essentially a web that will encapsulate your entire brain in this material. So yes, you can hypothetically and perhaps have actualized the ability to control thoughts and through a direct physical mechanism. You know, the, the universe that our Lord has created is just so immensely complex and powerful that there are things out there that we don't really understand, but that we're, you know, sort of grasping at and we're still at the, at the base level. The, the depth is so much more advanced than even we could understand. But in terms of how we approach the future, particularly as Christians, it's going to be trivially easy to imagine a scenario where some technology comes out and it has these supposed radical benefits for, you know, curing disease, extending lifespan, doing all these other things. And we notice that this could be part of, you know, one aspect of the great deception of the end times or something that can be turned to uh, nefarious ends. And if we point that stuff out, we better be ready to be totally articulate in our understanding and our reasoning because the other side is going to have all of the one-liners. What, you want kids to die? What, you like cancer? You know, what, what, you don't want to live? Like, you're in favor of death? And it's like, well, no, you know, we're talking about a different kind of life, a real life that is only accessible through a direct relationship with God and through Jesus Christ. And so we, in that situation, that we can see, we can see it pretty clearly, maybe not bright as day, but we're right on that doorstep, and there's going to be division all over the place. And so being articulate and pointed on these sorts of things, that's not necessarily going to help us. 
I mean, if I can explain something in incredibly effuse terms and allow people to grasp the core of what's going on, they're still going to throw it away. It doesn't matter how articulate you are if you're not walking in the power of the Lord. And so that is the testimony that we can have. We need to be pressing into the Lord with a desperation that is not just focused on what's going on in the political and in the natural realm. That's incredibly important. Believe me, it totally is. It's something that I pay a great deal of attention to. But there are also things coming on the horizon that are even more mind-boggling and and just strange, you know, talking about changes to DNA through the CRISPR-Cas9 technology that will allow for synthetic DNA creations and the entire mapping and recreation of the human genome. And there's all sorts of spiritual connotations there that I'll leave for the likes of Steve Quayle and Tom Horn and, and all of them to discuss because I'm not quite as qualified in terms of my experience in the field. But what we can say is that these topics are mission critical. And I know that's overwhelming because there's so many different mission critical topics everywhere you look it's like this is existential this is existential this is a total disaster if we don't stand up against this now it's all over and and so it's so overwhelming that it can be difficult to step one step back and face all of that at once but brothers and sisters we serve a mighty god a powerful god he has overcome this world and he can do the impossible and he will and he wants to Desperately, if we, his people, would humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and repent, there's a reason why things aren't going the way that they should, and it's because we're not doing what we should, individually and collectively. So when we think about technology, maybe before we even think about the future, we should think about this. What do you use technology for? Is it to snipe at people on social media? Is it for pornography? What do you use technology for? If you took an, uh, an itinerary of what you did with your computer, your phone, and your TV throughout the course of a week and ask yourself what proportion of that was glorifying to the Lord directly or indirectly, what proportion of that was done according to the will of the Lord for your life, according to the leading of his Holy Spirit and for the sake of his kingdom, and if there's a great deal of material, or even a little bit, any little vestige that wasn't for those purposes, that's all going to burn up. That's all going to burn up eventually. And so we need to be focused on the Lord first and foremost, and he and his Holy Spirit will give us the discernment to be able to pick apart all these nuances here, because it's just so overwhelming at times, and I can completely understand that. So, you know, Chris, what other overwhelming things should we be focused on here? Well, I think keeping with the pace of what we're talking about, it's it's important to understand that we we are facing a culture that is approaching a at least a, a, a neuroses of, of being godlike and the desire to replace God, and that's what this ultimately feels like to me at this point because we're not expecting, we're not respecting, or they're not respecting our right to personal privacy, and we'll get into some of that here in just a second when we talk about downloading information to your brain. But uh, we really have to focus on on how we're going to allow these things to be used because it's not just going to be like you plug yourself in and you download some information or upload some information. They're already working. I mean, this sounds so science fiction. I can't even believe I'm talking about it. They're already working on ways to alter your your memory and your thinking without connecting you to anything. 
And this this scares me. In fact, I think they've had some success in altering the brains, uh, the the uh, neuro signals inside of people's minds without ever touching them. And just that that is okay. I don't even know where to go with this at this point. Do they do it by sound, or or how do they do that without? Invasive. I don't know what they're doing at this point. I don't know what the what the uh, the waves or the signals are behind that or how they're doing it. But that's a great question, and that that will be saved and reserved for much research for the next episode. I can't wait to share what I find because uh, it's it's a struggle out here to find good information on some of these things because it's just very well hidden. Now, it, did you have something you wanted to add? No. Well, I can. I can jump in here to clarify just a little bit. It's really important for us to do some foundational homework about like what the universe is actually made up of. And so there's matter, there's this physical, you know, physical stuff, but we know from you know, our elementary understanding of atoms and and physics that, you know, most of what we see is empty space and the act of seeing it itself actually brings it, it collapses it from probability into, into actuality. So without getting too far off the deep end here, the progression goes like this, at least in my mind. The first, the first part is standard, that matter is in fact energy. This is E equals MC squared. So for anything that's matter, it's just, it's just energy. So there's a, essentially a field and, a, you know, there are many fields but to simplify, there's a field, and then matter is essentially a slower version. Everything's moving at the at the speed of light, apparently. And then where things sort of slow down a little bit is where we actually engage with matter. So matter is this higher level, uh, higher level construct, but underneath it is energy. And I think it's actually a profound conclusion that underneath energy itself, these are these wavelengths that have this disruptive ability in terms of resonance with matter itself, because that's what ultimately matter is made out of. Underneath that is energy. Or, sorry, energy is underneath matter. What's underneath energy, I think, in my view, is information. And that's this really fundamental sort of bizarre notion that comes into play when we're talking about quantum physics where things literally blink in and out of everything blinks in and out of existence at an untold rate of speed and so the question is when it disappears and then comes back in like where does it go in the meantime and I think the more that we understand science the more that we understand technology here is just an incredible display of the mechanics potentially of God's sustaining and upholding power. Like what says that when a quantum particle fluctuates out of existence that it has to come back in? I, I mean, I don't know. It's a, it's a probability, and yet it, they all continue at an, on an untold number at an untold rate. And so many people have theorized from a digital physics perspective that, you know, we're living in a hologram or, or something like that. And to a certain extent, that's kind of fair. I mean, this is just a really high-resolution picture of, of energy, the same way that a TV screen has resolution. The universe itself has a resolution. Of course, it, you know much more high definition than your than your average television screen these days by orders of magnitude but if we're talking about how we can manipulate matter itself well if we understand waves harmonics and frequencies and you know we've seen uh, guests on your program Doug and Joe um from all from all ends of the spectrum talking about this sort of idea that frequency has the ability to change the constituent state of matter and if you can capture that if you can um design a way to influence things directly then essentially you can do whatever you want this is one of these like godlike uh powers of creation and manipulation even though 
strictly speaking, it's not creation. It's only transformation of energy from one into another. Only God can create something out of nothing. All right. So where do we go from here? Guys, uh, we covered a lot of That's a good question, Chris. (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I've got more. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so the latest example that we can look at is Elon Musk and his ownership of Neuralink. And uh, I think he bought that company from someone else. But at any rate, you know, there was a quote out of an article from Medium.com, and it said, I wouldn't be surprised if work is one day in the near future done strictly inside the mind. If we're all hooked up and we travel, have families, and live normal lives inside of a coma state, much like we've seen in science fiction movies, the Matrix is, in fact, where we're headed at this rate. Things will happen by willing it. And I think that's a that's a tremendous statement of where this is headed. This technology could stretch into downloading books, movies, and other information. You could buy schools, books, movies, theaters, and all other physical hardware for entertainment and learning. No more writing. Everything is just a thought away, including a roll of toilet paper if you happen to be out. Maybe you could will your bottom clean. I don't know, but at this point... Uh, this, uh, this is, this is real. Companies like Facebook, Google, Amazon, Microsoft, Apple, Netflix, they're all considering the applications for using this to deliver their services and for you to request things. And ironically, Elon Musk, who is, you know, putting on a great, uh, a great cirque out here, a circus of, uh, of technology first and, and digging underground under LA, uh, <laughs> engineers think he's nuts, but and I do too at this point uh, in an earthquake zone. But he appears to be playing both sides of the coin because he says we need to fight AI, yet he's embracing it. And what that tells me is there's at least a possibility that these globalists and these technocrats are setting themselves up to play both sides of the coin. One is to deliver the goods to humanity, and the other is to benefit from the military-industrial complex. Now, that's just speculation at this point, but that's certainly what it feels like. Now, we talked earlier about some of the the ways that the world is going to connect this information, and, and Rick Wiles from True News and his crew there have done an outstanding job covering the global brain, as they call it, which is a network of low-orbiting satellites that, would, that are already going up. They're already under construction, and 5G is is the fifth generation. It's well underway already. There's uh, a lot of money that's being pushed in that direction, and uh, it's going to replace all of the cellular networks that we currently enjoy, and it will do it at a much higher speed. The problem is that they're going to be using some really, really high-frequency ranges, and those can range anywhere from, from uh, uh, let's say, 6 gigahertz to 100 gigahertz, and uh, those are what the Russians and Chinese use, their defense agencies, for weapons that uh, that use electromagnetic technology to induce the unpleasant burning sensations on the skin. So if these things are everywhere, then where are we going with this? And and it's it's important to understand just how connected the world is going to be. Nanotechnology is already at a point where Swiss researchers have created a super thin layer film of sensor, essentially, that can go on a hair, can wrap around the hair on your head. And if you can imagine the applications for something like that in order to keep up with you, to track you, to harm you, or anything else, I mean, literally somebody could walk in and put it on a hair on your head and 
you would know it. You'd be tracked. The barber could be doing it. It's just incredible what's going on, and it's incredibly scary. This uh, 5G with the technology, uh, probably there's people that are going to show up at my door at some point here soon for saying this, but it's going to come out at some point. Um, this stuff is known to, the, these frequencies are known to cause harm, and, and they're really kind of untested on the public. But with this many satellites going up, there's not one square inch of Earth you're going to exist on that couldn't possibly affect you negatively in this type of, of space. No, nowhere to hide, nowhere to run. No, nowhere. That's no. absolute. And, and, and the end of days, I mean, th- this is prophetic biblically. All right. Yeah, it's all it's all tied in here, and it's important for us to understand that the root word behind technology is techni, which is witchcraft, essentially. And so, you know, any sufficiently advanced technology is essentially indistinguishable from magic. And so, when we have things that are, you know, can wrap around a hair, this this nanotechnology that's at a level that we can't perceive, then things are going to be happening that are beyond our capability to explain unless we understand that these capacities are here. And that would get us into things like Project Bluebeam and other sorts of manipulation. But even that might be outdated if they could just beam everything into your head, you know, rather than create an image up there. If they can alter memories, perceptions, and everything else, it's like the Mandela effect on steroids. And so, you know, you get into this situation where the the bearing, the foothold on reality is lost. Like, what is real? If you spend 24 hours a day in virtual reality, how could it be said to, that that would be distinct from the vision that was put forward in the movie The Matrix? It really is literally that. And you could... It's not just some crazy far off vision. It's not some nightmaric future that's, that's outside of our reach. It's not something that we have to, or it's not something that we can just sort of wash our hands of and say, oh well, that's, that's for another time. I think we have the wrong impression, generally speaking, about where technology is going. I mean, we all thought we'd have flying cars, and maybe maybe we'll have that soon, but, you know, the, the forecast, if, like, the, if that's really the measure of the future, we could have done that a while ago. It's just that it's not economical, and so nobody's going to bring it, nobody's going to bring it to the foreground. So, the idea is, this progress, and by that I mean progression up the technological capability curve, is not going to stop. And maybe we'll hit that inflection point that that's called the singularity, where everything changes. There's no way that there's no way to go back, and there's no way to even conceptualize what it looks like on the other side. But we have to make our decisions in the here and now in terms of what we're going to do. And well, what should we do? Well, it seems entirely abundantly clear that we're going to be in a position where we have to, you know, take a pieces of this world, use it for the kingdom as best as we can as the Holy Spirit leads and as the will of God allows, but we have to be extraordinarily perceptive, discerning, and watchful here. So, you know, what should, what should we do in relation to what's going on in the world? Well, you know, if we go to James 4, starting at verse 7, it's a, it's a clear picture, but it's not entirely a happy one. It says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. We're going to endure some crazy things, things that I was not prepared for, things that I'm still not prepared for. 
but it's only by the grace of God that we're going to have the, the discernment and the ability to navigate this time, but not just to navigate it, to be courageous in the face of it. You know, it didn't look pretty good for, for Paul in the midst of the storm where he was shipwrecked. But he had a word from the Lord, and that was enough to sustain him. And so it's the word of the Lord that is going to sustain us in these times against every wit, whim, schemes, uh, plot, or plan of the enemy. And so I would just encourage all of our listeners, all of our brothers and sisters in Christ, to stand firm in the Lord, be bold in your faith, and press into him now. Get ready, because different times are coming. And if we're not prepared, it's going to be too overwhelming. It's going to be here too fast for us to regain our footing. We have to stand firm in the rock of Christ and do everything that we can to glorify his name. Wow. You both brought your A game. A lot of information, uh, some troubling, obviously, but in the end we know what happens, and uh, we do prevail, but we have to prevail through the spirit, and uh, it's not in the physical, it's in the spiritual. Uh, a formidable fight ahead of us, uh, Stephen Minking, of course, and Chris Bauckham. Uh Again, Rotary game. Thank you so much. You really handled this hour. We had to do very little, actually nothing, um, except be educated by your phenomenal research. Uh, Stephen, and both of you, lay out your websites, your your shows, where people can get additional information. Well, sure. Thanks again, Doug and Joe, for having us, and thanks to everyone else, and all glory to God for this incredible opportunity to be here with you again, sharing uh, these words and these topics. Uh, you can stay up to date with everything that we're doing at ontheobjective.org. That's the flagship website. That's where all my amateur society materials are linked. That's where uh, Chris and, and Ross's Remnant Radio Network is hosted, in addition to a couple other sites. But ontheobjective.org, that's where you go. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter. You'll get new updates and new content coming at you on a regular basis. Yeah, thanks for having me on today, guys. This is this is wonderful. I, I enjoy coming on with you, and uh, and Stephen and I always enjoy going back and forth with one another. It's just great. Uh, you can you can find out more about uh, about what I do at homegrownprepper.com as well as remnantradionetwork.com. That's where I share a network with Ross Powell, and we're working on some very exciting stuff coming up to help the remnant, the body of Christ here in the nation, as we face these challenges moving forward. And I would just say one last thing. If you, if we, if we struggle to deal with WannaCry, do we really want these people dealing with our brain security? And that's, that's just a question I just need to ask the audience. Uh, you know, no matter what you pray, believe. pray. It's time, it's time to pray. It's time That's to right. pray. Fantastic. Both of you. Thank you so much again, bringing your A game and, uh, the great information. God bless both of you. Thanks for everything you do and thanks for really bringing it forward tonight on uh, the Hagman Hagman Report. Well, God sure. bless you guys. Stay armored up. Love you. Amen. That will do it for us tonight. Until tomorrow, stay safe. God bless. Have a great evening. And don't forget to tune in tomorrow. We're going to have some interesting information and an update about Seth Rich, and that will be first thing on tomorrow's show. Have a great night, everybody. Yeah, real quick. New information. Tune in.